People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. To all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Defense Podcast, episode 97. We're back in the building, man. Each and every Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, on all your popular platforms you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Coach Defense, man. I'd like to welcome y'all back to the podcast, the flagship of the network. And I want to thank everyone that is a podcast listener that's probably hadn't heard me up to this point um, in my uh, trail back, in my, my, my trek back. I've been slowly but surely getting back into the groove of things. And this is probably the first full week that I've been doing content um, on every uh, show that I normally do. And um, if you're only a podcast listener, you haven't listened to any of my other shows, I want to thank everybody that has reached out that everybody's giving their support, their condolences, their well wishes, their prayers, uh, their gifts, everything that's, that's coming forth in my tragic time. I want to thank everybody that's, that's been reaching out to me and giving me their love, support, and their understanding in this time of grief, man. Um, I lost my dad uh, here recently, and uh, it's been a very trying time. Uh, I want to thank everybody once again for holding me down and, and watching my channel and watching my videos and giving those views and subscriptions while I'm in the way. Um, it's been it's been a rough road, man. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Uh, it's been a tough, man, for my family and myself. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it wasn't uh, sudden, but it's still tough. Uh, it's still tough to deal with, man. And, um, you know, first and foremost, I want to do, man, right here and right now is give a shout out to my father. Uh, I really wanted to uh, tell him that I miss him and, uh, and I wish that he was still here. Uh, he has gone home to glory and uh, he rests in power. Uh, great man. Uh, if it wasn't for him, I would be no me. But all those love me, love him as well, because he is 50% responsible for me being in existence and what I have flowing through my veins and flowing through my head and flowing through my mind and my body and my spirit. So yet again, you know, the, the things he taught me, the things that he's instilled in me um, from start to finish, man, um, I, I, I can't speak enough about it. I definitely will not be the same person today that I am without him. And uh, I think that, you know, he can rest easy knowing that he did a great job. He did a great job, you know, in uh, in uh, in his hands and in raising me and, and bringing me up to this point, man. Um, you know, only thing that really sucks is that you know my family will not get to enjoy him with totality. My daughter won't get to see her granddad uh, as she grows, but you know, to not get too emotional, man. So we get through this. I just want to say, you know, Dad, we miss you. We love you, and you always been in our hearts. And uh, you are sitting. Uh, in heaven right now, resting easy with mom and and uh, my brother Ivan, and we appreciate you uh, for being the, the patriarch of this family, man. So, uh, shouts out to dad, man. Shouts out to dad. So yeah, man. Well, let's get into the podcast, man. Let's talk about sports. Let's do it, man. Let's do something that is near and dear to my heart, and is always here for me. You know, to be. Uh, an outlet into something that I enjoy doing, you know, and bringing this uh, here podcast platform to you. Had a spirited uh, show with Coach Kurt on Tuesday. We brought that back for you. Um, Sports Talk with Coach Kurt. If you haven't seen it by now, check it out. That is our highly, most highly rated show on the network, man, between that and the Wild West podcast. So trust and believe me, and it didn't disappoint. And we've been away for about three weeks, man, and we are we're chopping it a bit to get to this content to you. So it's been a great show, so check that replay out. As always, Wild West Podcast on Wednesdays. They had a good show with those good brothers over there on Wednesday night. And, of course, podcast, as always, on Wednesday morning, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. So check that out. Like, comment, subscribe, as always, as, as you have been doing, and showing that love and support and get that word out there to those people. 
So we've got a good show coming up for you, man. Let's 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 jump right into the headlines. So we're gonna do who's the news first. We got a uh, a nice interview with uh Coach Kurt. We're gonna go through uh some uh topics with him today, uh, one NBA and a couple of NFL. Uh he joined me on the podcast this week uh, as a, a pre-recorded video. Uh he is going with, he and I are gonna talk about Emi Adoku and that situation with him and the Celtics and how we think that's gonna play out. And as promised, I'm going to finish up this podcast with NBA, the NBA segment on doing the NBA preseason divisional breakdown. Now, it didn't work out the way I wanted to, obviously, because of what happened in, in the tragedy in, in our lives. But I want to still finish that out for you. The NBA season has started. We've gotten two good nights of football or basketball uh, in the last couple of nights. Uh, so I want to finish that out and bring that to you in short order and give you my predictions and my takes on how each of the Western Conference divisions are going to play out uh, in this uh, NBA season. So uh, look forward to that. And we'll get into the NFL segment. we got a new segment coming to you this week called the Cover 4. Uh, since the NFL season is going on right now, we're going to talk about uh, our, our best four games of the week. We want to break down and we're going to get, get our takes on how those games play out and um, what we feel like the keys to the victory for the people that won those things. Uh, then we're going to flip back over to another video with Coach Kirk. We're going to talk about the curious case of Russell Wilson. We're going to get into what's happening with Russell Wilson, his play, uh, the overall stigma on him now, the negative press he's been getting from players and teammates and coaches and things of that nature. So we're going to talk about that. Um, and as well as breaking down the, fourth, uh, the Thursday night football game that is tonight. We're going to talk about the Saints at the Cardinals, so we're going to get into that as well with Coach Kurt. So we're going to talk about that in short order as well, who we feel like we're going to win that game and why. And then we're going to wrap up the podcast with a full quarter closeout. We're going to give out our awards for Breakout Player of the Week and Lockdown Defender of the Week and Big big Dummy. Well, we might have a Big Dummy of the Week, so we, we might see that as well. So we're going to give out our awards for Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, and maybe Big Dummy. So let's get, uh, get right into it, man. So let's start. Let's start with who's in the news, man. Let's do it. And here we Go. Let's talk who's in the news. And as if you if you've been listening to this podcast uh in any realm from episode one to ninety-six, you know that who's in the news is typically like NBA segment. So we want to talk about Emil Doku this week. Um <laughs> I'm very uh curious about this particular situation. And uh we're gonna forward over to a video here in a second to uh Coach Kurt and I discussing uh Emil Doku in this situation. Um just to preface it. Uh, Ime Doku was uh, found to be uh, in violation of a team policy in regards to his, uh, I guess you can say, what they want to deem as consensual, a consensual uh, work relationship with another uh, colleague, co-worker of, of some sort. And it's rumored that it might have been another uh, married uh, colleague. And so she had a husband that also maybe evolved with the organization. We don't know. The story is very convoluted to me, in all honesty, uh, but it's definitely one that has gotten a lot of attention uh, from the media and the Celtics as well, uh, to the point where they suspended Emi Adoku indefinitely. Uh, he will not coach the team this year. The uh, interim coach will be coaching his team. Now, mind you, the team is fresh off the NBA Finals, and they were a game or so away from being champions. Um, he did really well with this franchise in his first year of coaching as a head coach. And uh, it's very head scratching to me is actually why this was so uh, such an egregious offense. If it was a air quote consensual relationship that would deem him being suspended for an entire year or indefinitely, he may not ever coach again for the Celtics. We don't know. We don't know. But uh, as as it stands right now, um, a lot of people are speculating that there's more to the story, but we just don't know it yet. Um, but yet again, uh, I don't know. I mean, it just seems to me, and I'll give this take on it before we get into the video from my personal perspective. 
is that I just don't see how a consensual relationship, whether it's in a workplace or not, um, you know, be it, you know, Ime was engaged and this other woman was married, you know, they have a, a, a personal relationship. I feel like that's their business. If that's all it is. There's no sexual allegation, no illegal activity, nothing rule breaking or law breaking about this, no criminal activity. Uh, I don't, I don't see how it warrants that type of, you know, punishment in all, in all honesty. I don't, I mean, if nothing else, if it's that damaging to your brand or that it looks to push that much of a black eye on it, just fire him and we'll move on. Why drag him through the mud? But we're going to get into it. I'm going to give you my full take as I talked to coach, coach Kurt with him, uh, in depth about what happened with email Doka and what we feel like this is going to end, how this is going to end with something. So it is interview with coach Kurt and I to, uh, to discuss email Doka and the Celtics. All right, to start off the podcast, I got my guy, Coach Kurt, with me here to talk about the Celtics and Emi Odoka. So, uh, as you probably know right now, if you're an NBA fan or fanatic, that you know that Emi Odoka will not be coaching the Boston Celtics going into this uh, upcoming season, right? So, uh, uh, to reasons that we aren't still clear on, and that's what was kind of, you know, giving me pause is because we don't know exactly what the ramifications of what he did. Uh, that gave this suspension its merit, or, or I guess I'm not even gonna call it merit. It gave the Celtics just cause to suspend him for the entire year. Um, and actually, I think Coach Kurt, you alluded to this. He said it was indefinite. They only we're not even guaranteeing that he'll be back at all or in next season. Yep. So, I want to get your thoughts on the suspension. Uh, what do you think of it? Do you think it was justified? Do you think it was not based upon it? Now, it's always based upon information we know because we don't know everything yet. But how do you feel like this suspension landed for you? Uh, and how do you think it's going to affect Emei's career and the Celtics going forward in this season and in the future? Because you do realize that they were a, a game away from winning the title last year. And to suspend a coach that took them that far this fast, it's got to be something. So what are your thoughts on it? Well, um, it's crazy to me, right? Because it, it front-facing, it came out the blue. Yeah, normally in these situations, you hear some smoke, right? There's allegations, mm -hmm. there's, mm -hmm. you know, leaked reports, there's yeah. something. But when it with with this situation, man, whoever is working for the Celtics that they hired needs to be employed by other uh, sports companies or whoever, because they were precise, right? Um, if you read the reports, it was this was an investigation that went on for months uh mm -hmm. even though they it was quiet though it was, it was quiet. quiet now i will give this credit in some ways and i don't know what this was about they didn't sully his name and i give that respect in a way right they said um that it was consensual they mm -hmm. recognize it was consensual. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest thing, and I think this is where they got out in front of it. My personal feeling was before this becomes a situation that brings down not only uh, the coach, but Boston, mm -hmm. they jumped in front of it swiftly um, and they controlled the narrative. So they said, hey, he had um, he had been in a, in a relationship with basically a subordinate in the mm -hmm. organization mm -hmm. um it was frowned upon because i would if i read between the lines you know they have some type of you know no fraternization type of clause between right. Right. you know people that work for the organization and the coach mm -hmm. uh, and so 
when I think about it, if we're thinking from straight sports, um, I think it, I think it's tragic because he seemed to have, he seemed to be a coach that had a pulse for that team. He seemed to be a very smart coach. I totally agree. He seemed to be a, a great strategist, right? And he was mm -hmm. able to move, he was able to move them in a way. And so to coach them to the NBA championship, um, the, the, the sky was only up from here. And mm -hmm. so in that instance, uh, it's, it's kind of damaging. It's kind of unsettling because all of a sudden he's out, right? And they was on the brink. They went to the NBA championship, mm -hmm. and now he's gone. But when I look at it, I just read it that they had, to me, they had been watching. They had been um, private-eyeing the situation. That's and they one, left man. him in a situation where it was like, look, this is what we're going to do. You're going to mm -hmm. be – it I, It wasn't an option. Most times, like, hey, no, this was – you're going to be suspended. Mm -hmm. You're going to be gone, right? And we're going to um, put you on suspension pending if we find out anything else. Uh, because I did pay attention, and like you said, I did pay attention to the fact that they said he is suspended for this year mm -hmm. pending. Yeah. Which means they left it where he could not come back to, the, to Boston to coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, as far as his coaching career, I would like to say people get a second chance, but if I if I'm honest with myself, um, I I don't I melanated people don't get the same chances as others. And speak on it, speak on yeah, it. Yeah, and so with this with this being the case, uh, I'm gonna find it difficult, but I hope he does because I will give Boston credit again. Mm -hmm. They did not trash his name. They did not drag him across the mud. And you haven't heard anything since he came out and said, hey, I accept this punishment. And mm -hmm. they went dark. Right. You haven't you haven't heard anything from him. You haven't heard anything from who who he was with in the time. And, you know, we we can be funny. The barbershop conversation is like, man, you going that's who you mess around on. Mm -hmm. So I'll let mm -hmm. I'll let the audience go and 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 check out who he was um engaged to who he was engaged to but uh if you're a fan of of certain movies then uh you know who the actress is that he was he was engaged to but uh right. yeah I, I give credit on that they didn't they didn't trash the man's name he is quiet now and you haven't seen him in public so yeah yeah but i i hate to see it for boston because they was a young team that looked like they was on the brink of doing something great but hey this new coach mm -hmm. I wish him well as well. Um, he's been in that organization. So let's mm. see. You know, let's give it a couple of games and see how they adjust. But what's your thoughts on it? I, I have a slightly contrarian take to it. Um, the, you're right. They didn't publicly defame him uh, in a sense. Uh, but I think they they uh, subconsciously defamed him in mm, a sense. Because that's good. I really feel like they um, almost kind of made a mockery and, and kind of, you know, took them to the town square and embarrassed <laughs> them in front of, right. the, of the masses, right? right? In a sense, you know, you aired his dirty laundry. You said he was sleeping around, which from my, from my readings is there was a, a married woman, uh, and I believe she was married to an executive in the organization. So mm. I guess that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, a sticking mm. point to this whole thing. So, you know... Because to me, the, the biggest object to me for this whole situation was, regardless of who Ime is and isn't, just the just the face value, you know, cover on this is the fact that they just were in the NBA Finals. You know, he was lined up to be 
the next great coach of this organization. Yeah, you know, yep. he like like you said to your point, he had a pulse for the organization and the team. Like he had his finger on the button. Yeah, and for you to you know basically kill that and kill you know optically kill your chances of getting right back or getting better and bettering yourself this year and winning a title, you completely and totally start from scratch in yeah. a sense because we just don't know. Like you said, we're gonna give it a few games, but they looked good last night. Yep. But again, we're going to have to give, give it give it a time to say whether or not this coach is going to work and is he going to be at the level? Can he take him to the heights that Eme was going to take them to? That's all yeah. questionable, yeah. right? So, you know, for them to, you know, and I and I'll, and I'll give Stephen A a lot of credit for this. You know, when when he talked about this on this uh, show, is that you know most of the time you when things like this go on, yes, there's no federalization policy, you know, across the board, but all this stuff still goes on. Yeah. Like people fraternize all the time and they fraternize the hell out of some stuff, right? Let's yeah, be real. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. regardless of who it is, if you're cheating on who you you mess around with who it doesn't matter. They, right. It happens, it goes on, you know. You know, somebody else's wife is messing around with somebody else's executive. It, it's you know, it's a lot of bumping pelvises, you know, in the you know, in the organization. <laughs> a it lot ain't of bumping uglies. <laughs> not a, exactly. So it's not news. Right. So for you to make it news, you know, makes me wonder exactly what. Is there more to it? And if there's not more to it, if it's just simply the fact that he slept with an executive's wife, which the grin is self is self sabotage or email's part. Let's be real. Like you said, yeah. who he was engaged to, the the promising career he had going for himself, and let's be real, not everybody that looks like him is going to get hired and, and be the Boston coach. Let's be real. Yeah. Boston is, does not traditionally love us. No, you know, so no. for him to be. The, the coach of that team and take that team to the heights that he's taking them. And, and they're like you said, they're young and they're ready and they could be good for years. It, 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 it's a lot. It's a lot yeah. to digest. And I really yeah. feel like, I really feel like that, you know, it has to be more to it, but if it's not, then, you know, again, why did, why didn't you just quietly fire him, move on and let people speculate? If it was just, if it was just, if it was just infidelity, if it was just infidelity, yeah. why not do that? Nah, you know, because nah. I, like you said, I don't think they're going to I don't think you can come back from this. Like if you're yeah. going to publicly shame him for a year, then bring him back and be humble and, and pick up like he never left. I don't think it's possible. I think you made a great point. If it is an executive, it makes more sense why it was so swift and mm -hmm. it's been so quiet because they don't want it to get out because you still don't know who. Right. You still don't know who it is. It's, it hasn't been like they released. Names. Well, from what I heard, what well, well, from what I heard, it's it's an executive, and how he found out was this is the interesting part. His his wife was on the phone having a conversation with Ime, and he heard it over the ring camera, and that sparked everything. That's what I heard. But again, they didn't release names. Normally, this no, they situation. Didn't. I saw pictures though. I did see pictures of the oh. lady, the prospective wife. But you know, they didn't wow. say who the executive was, so you got a point there. They didn't wow. say who the executive was, so wow, yeah. <laughs> so don't, don't I, talk I don't around on ring cameras. <laughs> exactly. If you're doing dirt, don't don't talk around anything that can record you, right? So you know, so I, I really feel like you know, I kind of meshed two points in in a one, of saying that it's damaging. They 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 sub, subliminally shamed him, and I don't think he's going to recover. Yeah, like you know, from this. Well, like he might have to go back down to being the sister for a while, let the let the let the let the dust settle, and yeah. then come back. Because I yeah. think there's other teams on out there in the league that can benefit from a coach like him. I think oh, he's yeah. a great coach. Yeah, you know. It's so I think that you know, if, you know, somebody like the Sacramento Kings, hypothetically, you yeah. know, when you got or, or the Oklahoma City Thunder, we got a lot of young talent. They just don't know what to do with it. Yeah. You know that kind yeah. of thing. So I think they could benefit from somebody like him. So, you know, just a question of you know what, how does it play out? Next season, when he air quote comes back or doesn't come back, I don't know. Yeah. Now, as far as the Southern is concerned, I don't know. I mean, I, I had high hopes. You know, I'm a Jason Tatum fan. You know, yeah. I'm, I, and I think they, they made very good 
working all season by getting Malcolm Brogdon. He looked good last night. Yeah. So I think that, you know, he is one of those, you know, it, it, the team is ready to win, but it's just a question of who's leading them. Because if yeah. you don't have everything in line, the GM, the team, the coach, it just doesn't pan out to to, to, to championships. It just doesn't. Yeah, it's true. And so, success is not uh, – winning is not loyal, and success doesn't have an open-door policy. So when you got a chance – There you go. You got to jump on that opportunity. So, But we're going to be watching. Um, we're going to be watching. And if he does get a great chance, you name two franchises that would be great uh, teams that he can get away and just let winning take care of itself, right? Sacramento, mm-hmm. Oklahoma City, Thunder – yeah, I would even throw Houston in the mix too. Houston's a good one too. Yeah, you know, yeah. so the talent that they're they're massing because they always got high draft picks, yep. so they're going to get high in talent. So you know, you just somebody like this, he's proven that he can put together young young kids and True. and galvanize them and make them play together. So True. yeah, so we'll we'll see how it goes. But um, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna pray for uh, Emay's strength in this in this yeah. time. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna pray and respect him for in this time and hope that he gets back on his feet and yeah. again we just got to as black men we just got to stop self-sabotaging ourselves man yeah. like i don't know what your knee along situation was but but come on bro like, yeah, i hope he doesn't ring anybody else's bell there you go <laughs> <laughs> i'm petty i'm sorry i know it's all good it's all good but I just want I want to thank Coach Curry to coming on for this segment. He'll be back later on in the podcast. So we're going to talk about uh, Russell Wilson, another uh, curious uh, topic of uh, contention right now. And there's a lot going on in that, you know, on and off the field with Russell. So we want to talk about him later on the podcast. But I want to thank Coach Curry for coming in for the NBA segment. We're going to move on to our NBA divisional wrap-up, finally getting that through for the Western Conference. So we'll get that in short order right after this. In my continuing coverage of the NBA preseason divisional breakdown, we're going to finish out this series for the Western Conference. It got uh, destroyed, obviously, from a timeline perspective uh, because of life events and uh, what I lose to early in the show, but my uh, dad passing had to take a break uh, to deal with family and issues and that uh, that nature. I'm sure you can respect that particular aspect of it, but I like to start things. If I start things, I like to finish them. So uh, we're going to get into the divisional breakdown for the Western Conference. We did Eastern Conference in week uh, weekly breakdowns uh, previously before the podcast took a little bit of a hiatus. So uh, we're going to get into the Western Conference. We're going to go top to bottom. We're going to give each uh, each uh, individual breakdown, each team in each uh, division, and uh, we're going to give a quick uh, analysis of what they got going on uh, this offseason and what this team's going outlook is going to be for this season. Uh, so we're going to start, obviously, with uh, – the Northwest Division. The Northwest Division consists of the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Thunder, the Portland Trailblazers, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Denver Nuggets, and the Utah Jazz. Uh, so if you, there's a couple of teams in here that have, are intriguing, and there's a couple of teams that are on uh, the rebuild train, but uh, we're going to cover them in jest. So let's start with Oklahoma City Thunder uh, in a team that's in a definitely a super rebuild mode. Um, you know, longer the days gone of the Russell Wilson and Kevin Durant days, and uh, they've had some shufflings going on ever since then, to say the least. Uh, so, you know, for starters, you have uh, the draft. Uh, they didn't make any free agency moves, obviously, but uh, they uh, had a, a decent draft. They had a lot of draft picks, a lot of draft capital that they expensed uh, out here. And uh, we definitely want to say that uh, they they made some noise in the draft. 
Um, it's a very young team now. Are they trying to fi figure out or find uh, the blueprint of which the Memphis Grizzlies used, or are they, you know, trying to you know make their own staple? But they finished twenty four and fifty eight last year. So it's you know it's a much more honest season. Um, so they ended up with the second overall pick, and they drafted the Chet Holmgren, uh, of a wildly talented, very long, lanky uh, uh, forward um, in the draft. Now, the unfortunate news of this is that Chet Hart itself in the preseason is out for the year. Uh, so we won't get to see him in this particular uh, season co uh, going in. Um, so he is hurt for the whole entire season, but um, it was definitely a good pickup by them. So I definitely give him a lot of credit for, you know, sticking in uh, and, and drafting him. It's just an unfortunate incident where he got uh, hurt. But, um, you know, we're pulling for, uh, you know, chest recovery, and we're hoping that he will uh, ultimately uh, be the star player today, hoping that he will be uh, in drafting him second overall. Uh, they got uh, Oz Osman Ding at 11th overall pick, and they picked up this, this is really interesting. They got a Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams, spelled two different ways, at the 12th and the 34th overall pick as well. Um, the bigger stars for me is Shy, is Shy Gill Alexander, Luke Dork, and Chet Holmgren. But again, Chet Holmgren is going to be hurt this year. So, um, giving them a lot of uh, credit for drafting well, but uh, they have to develop these guys. And uh, as I've been long uh, on record as saying that the uh, uh, rebuild process and the drafting of players uh, fresh out of college is, you know, one and done's uh, are, are long. Uh, I definitely think they take two to three years at least to pop. Um, you know, unless, you know, you get a small subset of five or six guys that kind of hit right away. Um, but it's, you know, it's not very often. So the, the long game in this particular, uh, uh, I guess you can say the aspect of drafting will long, will long be about a three, four year timeline for these uh, draft picks to actually pop. So uh, we were hoping for the best with the Oklahoma City Thunder, but I'm still looking at a fifth place division finish right now because it's just not there. Uh, you know, I hope that these uh, young players develop um, and, you know, trying to really understand what the end game is when it comes down to what the Oklahoma City Thunder is uh, trying to accomplish. But, yeah, it's looking like a fifth place finish for me. I I'm not uh, seeing much above that. But, um, but yeah, uh, they do have some good good star players. And we'll hope Shai Alexander has another great season. Luke Dork as well. Um, you know, it just sucks that we won't see Chad Holmgren this year, but yeah, I think that they they definitely can uh, make some noise and have some pieces um, to fit around their core. It's just a matter of, you know, what what are, what are they trying to build? I'm a little confused. I mean, honest and true, I'm a little confused. They got a bunch of young guys, and they just, you know, they just guys. <laughs> you know, to be frank, to be frank, they're just guys. They're just guys. So I mean, I don't expect much out of them. You know, to be frank and honest, but I really believe that this team, you know, uh, they're trying to you know go with the youth movement. You know, in a sense. But having a bunch of young guys with no direction is kind of spinning your wheels, if, if I have to be frank. So hopefully they can maybe, you know, package up some of these young guys and maybe get a couple of veterans. I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. I can't see the, fo I can't see the forest behind the trees in this particular situation. And I think they're, and they're, they're long ways away from competing, uh, in all honesty. I mean, they're one of the f teams that are still trying to figure it out, in my opinion. So we'll see what, it, what happens here. But, um, yeah, I'm not expecting much out of them. This year, so some flashes from Shaw Alexander. I do like his game, I do. So, and we'll see what the young guys do. But I'm not expecting much out of them until year two, year three, when they started getting into their NBA regiment and started getting their NBA legs under them. In all honesty, so we'll see. All right, so moving forward, we're going to go to the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz did a lot of shuffling this offseason. Uh, they did a lot of shuffling. 
Uh, they we've seen uh, players uh, the likes of uh, Spider Mitchell and Rudy Gobert leave for this team. So that's that's a switch, obviously. And then you got uh, <laughs> then you got um. Actually, we're looking at the Minnesota Timberwolves. No, Jazz. Jazz the first. Yeah, Jazz the first. So they like they say lost uh um they lost Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert obviously through trades and they a lot of shuffling. They really did a lot of shuffling and I feel like this team is in a in a weird space too. I just don't know exactly where they are right now. I don't know. Um, they got Colin Sexton in the trade. They got Malik Beasley in the trade. Taylor Horn Tucker, Stanley Johnson. And Lori McEnany got Wesley Kessler with the draft in the draft with the second, 22nd overall pick. Um, the biggest stars are Colin Sexton, Jordan Clawson, and Mike Conley. But again, I, I would trading your two biggest stars, your Rudy Gobert, your biggest defensive star, and, and, and Donovan Mitchell, your biggest offensive weapon away. Um, I, I'm feeling like them and Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Thunder are, are really fishing for a direction. That's, that's where I think they're at. Jazz are definitely fits a forward direction, and I don't expect much out of them. They finished 49 and 33 last year. They were very good with those, those two players that I just named um, now being gone. So I don't know. I really don't, can't tell you what, what, what's the make of this team. I mean, it's, you know, it's a process. And I think that uh, their front office, you know, they're shuffling their front office will ultimately try to uh, right the ship uh, at some point. But, um, you know, I think that they might be – uh, long in the game of drafting high again uh, over already before the season really gets going, in all honesty. I, I just don't see a formidable team and roster built currently. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I feel like you can't. I feel like you put the Oklahoma City Thunder and Jazz team together, you still have a really good team. That's kind of me being cynical, but I mean, I think that's it's, it's rough. Rough watch. It's a rough watch. All right, so moving on to the Timberwolves. Timberwolves, they did some shuffling as well, but uh, a lot of people believe it's in a good way. I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence with them. I really feel like um, them finishing 46-36 last year, making the playoffs, um, making a little bit of a splash with the team they had. Um, they made a big splash, obviously, and went and got out and got Kyle Anderson from the uh, Grizzlies. They got Rudy Gobert in trade, obviously. They got Austin Rivers and Brent Forbes in free agency. Um, they picked up Wendell Moore Jr., um, 26 overall pick, uh, Josh Minoit. 45th overall and Mateo Spagnola at 50. Um, so now they have Carl Meek Towns, Rudy Gobert, and Anthony Edwards at the at the top of this roster with Kyle Anderson filling in as well as uh, uh Austin Rivers at the point and Brent Forbes in the, the, on the wing. Uh yeah, I, I got questions about this team. I really feel like they went they spent too much to get Rudy Gobert. I uh, let a lot of their depth go. Um that's now in Utah. Um or in Patrick Beverly's case, he's in the, in LA with the Lakers. So. So I think this team can be good, but I really think they're really Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns dependent. So when they have off nights, can Kyle Anderson and company pick up the slack? And I got questions about that. I'm not sure. Um, I forget about Daniel Russell. I did leave him out. Daniel Russell's on that list, uh, you know, but can he be consistent? So I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, little, a, little, I'm a little fringy on this Timberwolves team. I think a lot of people feel like they, they got better by getting Gobert. But again, Gobert's a non-scoring uh, defender, like he doesn't score, so he's a, he's a primary defender, and that's it. He's a rim protector, defender, hell of a rebound, hell of a shot blocker, you know. But he's a hell of a defensive player, I, one of the best. But again, will that win you basketball games? Is the question. You know, you still got to find ways to score. And if he, Edwards and Carlton Towns aren't, you know, on 
their uh top tip top game where does that leave them so i would say that i'm a little i'm a little out on the tip and was to be honest with you i'm just i have that i have a bad feeling that they're going to take they're going to regress i have a bad feeling they, they're going to regress but we'll see i really feel like uh it's, it's some other teams in the in the conference that could really make better noise uh and more and more balanced have better depth that will outlast the Timberwolves, especially in the playoffs. So we'll see. I mean, Evan Edwards and Carvin Towns can take steps and they can dig I mean, they still have, they still haven't reached their apex and their peak. So they, we could see better basketball out of them. But again, I feel, still feel like they're really dependent on them to, to drive the team. And that's, that's not a recipe that you want. Uh, and this hasn't been a recipe for teams that winning, or they've been winning championships the last several years. So, I think that they, they have a slight chance of falling off a cliff. It, it's slight. It might be good. And it, it, can they build a one the record from last year? Maybe. But they also they could go other way. I think it could go left or right. It just depends on how they start the season. So we'll see what that. All right, next up is the Portland Trailblazers. Now, the Portland Trailblazers are an intriguing team for me because uh, – you know, Dame Lillard coming back, Chauncey Billups being the coach for the second year. Um, they got Jeremy Grant trade. Um, they they drafted well and got Shaden Sharp. I like that kid. I, I do like that kid. I think he's one of the few, as I alluded to earlier, about about players that may be that one handful of, of group of kids that, that hit early when it comes down to playing well um, right off uh, the bus of being drafted, I guess you can say. Picked up Gary Payton the second in the free agency. Like I said, they traded for Jeremy Grant. They got Jabari Walker as well in the draft, uh, 57th overall. So um, with Jeremy uh, Grant from coming in forward and Shane Sharp being that new CJ McCullough type of role that him and Dame Lillard can work off each other in the backcourt, I like the, I do like this Blazer team. I do. I mean, it was a rough year last year, 27-55, but I definitely think this team can make some noise. I think they can be a dark horse. I think I'm looking at them and the Clippers as a little bit of a spoiler of being a team that people need to watch out for. Uh, and being formidable, you know, especially with Dane Miller being the leader and the, and the prolific scorer that he is. Uh, for some reason, I like this team. I think that that they did they did well with for themselves uh, in building around his roster, kind of retooling it. So, and maybe that's you know it's more of a uh, I guess a, a, a play on what Chauncey Billups' vision was for this team, and maybe they're kind of building towards that. So um, we'll see how how it shakes out. But I do, as a bold take, I got him finishing second in the division. So we'll see how it goes. Um, that might be a bold take on my part, but it all hinges on how well Dame and Jeremy and, and Shaden honestly truly play um, together uh, early on. So we'll see. But I, I'm, I'm being bold and I'm being uh, daring, I guess you can say, and thinking they might finish second in the division. So um, next up is the Denver Nuggets. And I'm, yeah, I'm very, very, very uh, big public in acknowledging the fact that I love this team. <laughs> with Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and Nikola Leokic being the forefront of this team. I like what they're doing, and I'm glad Jamal's finally back. Because I really feel like they lost a season and a half with him being gone and for injury, and they just couldn't really fulfill their potential. Um, when I got him, Bruce Brown in, in, in free agency, they traded for Contavious Caldwell Pope was a good three-point shooter, a three-and-D wing guy. They got DeAndre Jordan to uh, help out in the front court. Um, traded for Ish Smith as well. Um, so, they got even more pieces to a loaded roster already. So I think that, um, and they went out and got three good draft picks. I mean, they got, you know, some developmental guys in the second round, but they got Christian Braun with a 21st overall pick, uh, Peyton Watson with 30th overall, and Ishmael Comagate, 46th overall. So 
I think they're going to finish first in the division. I'm not saying finish first in the conference, but first in the division. I think the, the division can be theirs. It was 48-34 last year without Jamal so and Michael Porter Jr. So I would like to believe they're going to build on that. Uh, I think this team can get back to that team they were two years ago. And I think that they're, they're, they're seasoned and they're ready to go, man. I really feel like this team can be, uh, as long as they stay healthy, that they can really be a, a thorn in people's sides and really win a lot of games. With Jamal being that uh, front court leader and Nicole Yoko's being the MVP that he normally is. So uh, with Michael Porter Jr. being your wing guy, you know, uh, like I said, along with them picking up Katavis Dakota Pope knocking down outside threes and de- playing solid defense. Yeah, man, I do like the way this team is constructed, man. I really do. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. But I, my earlier um, predictions that they win a the division at uh, at uh, f- uh, building on that 48-34 record from last year. So moving on to the Pacific Division, we got the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors, the L.A. Clippers, and the L.A. Lakers, along with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, this division is very interesting because it's not your status quo <laughs> in a lot of regards. So uh, it's ironic that uh, the Lakers and the, and the uh, Warriors played uh, a couple of nights ago. But, um, you know, we'll start with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, you know, it's it's not getting better fast in, in Sacramento just yet. But I do like their roster more so than I like the Thunder and the Jazz roster that I covered a little bit earlier. 30 and 52 last year. They got went out on fridge. They got Malik Muff and Kid Bazemore from the Lakers. Straight for Kevin Herter from the Falc from the Hawks. So the Falcons like there in Atlanta, and in Atlanta, but the Hawks, not the Falcons. So they went out and got uh they went out and got uh, Kevin Herter. And uh they drafted Keegan Murray for fourth overall uh in the draft. So uh hopefully he can be a contributor soon. Um but it's still a rebuilding phase. I mean, he has some moving parts, Buddy Hill and a few others are up, have left town. So you got Malik Monk, Harrison Barnes, and DeAndre Fox. Darren, DeAndre, Darren Fox is your primary guys. So I think they still got a lot of building to do, but I would still put them ahead of the Jazz and the Thunder at being a better roster at this moment. So I still got them finished in fifth in the division, however. Moving on to the Lakers, and I can go all day about this uh, debacle that is the Los Angeles Lakers and my team right now. It's not good. Uh, after two years off of winning a title, 33-49 last year. Um, very curious about who they got in free agency. When I got Troy Brown Jr., Thomas Bryant, Jay Hub, Damon Jones, Dennis Schroeder, and Juan Toscano Anderson. Lonnie Walker, and then they traded for Patrick Beverly, which I absolutely hate. Uh, um, the move that they did in that regard. Um, when I got Max Christie in the draft in the second round, 35th overall. So, of course, the biggest stars are Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook, because he's still on the roster. Uh, I don't know how much airspace and time that I want to use up and we're talking about this team, but it's not, it's not a formidable roster. It's not. Um, and the biggest, most glaring issue, um, just before you get into personalities with Westbrook and Beverly and, and all that stuff, the, I, the issue with this Lakers team is that no matter how good LeBron and AD can be and will be down the stretch and how healthy they will or will not be, team is horrible as a three-point shooting team and this is a three-point shooting league teams that don't shoot a three well don't last long in the league in the regular season and or the playoffs so if you don't shoot the three well and defend it well it, you will lose a lot of games just by simple math you trade threes you trade threes and twos you trade you know you trade threes trade twos for threes you know on your in your guy you getting twos they're getting threes you're gonna lose a lot of games that's <laughs> just a simple fact 
You're gonna lose a lot of games, and that's gonna be the Lakers' mo. Uh, they play a lot of teams in this in this the conference, this division that shoot three well. The Warriors are one of the tops on the list, and quite frankly, you just can't contend with that. You know, it just it's just gonna they're gonna they're gonna outscore you if they if nothing else. Now the team's a tick better defensively, but I got a young no got a lot of bunch of young no name guys. You know, a lot of unproven guys, and will this all work? I think there's just still a bunch of ingredients in the pot. And hopefully, it worked, and it's not working. It's not working. And and I was on the train of trading for Buddy Hield and and uh, Miles Turner in order to make this roster a little more formidable. But I don't really think that's going to help. Not that I want to see what's currently on on the books. I would much rather see. I still would much rather see uh, Miles Turner, Buddy Hield, LeBron, AD. You know, Dennis Schroeder or or Patrick Beverly ugh, running the point. But even still, with that starting five and the bench that you have, it's still not a it's not a formidable roster. It's not a roster they can compete with in this division, in all honesty. So I really feel like they're gonna finish fourth in the division. Um I'm not sure to be a much above five hundred. Uh, I think if they if they're lucky, they might get a playing position if they're lucky. But uh, that's a long shot, in my opinion. The way this roster is currently constructed, because Russell Westbrook is still a Laker. And Patrick Beverly is a Laker as well. So that's two problems that are just ultimately going to be too much for the Lakers to handle. And I don't know what the front office is thinking. I don't know what Jenny Buss is thinking. I don't know what Robert Lincoln is thinking. And unless there's some type of grandiose Laker out of the darkness trade or, or moves that they can make to make this roster 10 times better, it's going to be a long season. It's going to be a long season. So moving on. And ironically enough, the, the, the team that plays in the same arena is probably going to look much more, much better and much more formidable this year than than uh, the Lakers are going to be. And that's the Clippers. They went 42-40 and 40 without Kawhi Leonard the whole year. They added John Wall. They drafted um, Mosa Diabat for a 43rd overall, another project. Um, so they got Kawhi back fully healthy. He looks bigger and stronger than he was before he left. John Wall is coming in as a point guard. Uh, they still got Randy Jackson. Still got uh, they still got Terrence Mann uh, and, and company. Um, Robert Covington and Norman Powell are still there. So I think the team is going to make a lot of people be concerned in regards to their competitiveness. I think that they're going to they really be really good defensively, one of the top defensive teams in the league. I think they're going to be one of the top three point shooting teams in the league, like they've been the last three or four years. So with with them. What I alluded to earlier about the fact that you can defend the three well and you can shoot the three well, that's going to be a recipe for them to win a lot of games. So with that being said, I'm looking for the Clippers to be a dark horse to be to be challenging the upper tier in this division and in the conference if they can stay healthy. That's all because you have three guys that are injury prone. Wall, Kawhi, and George are all injury prone type of players. But if they manage to stay healthy and they don't have to burn themselves out doing anything in particular uh, throughout the season, they can take their rest and get the time that they need off when they need it off and they can stay healthy throughout the season. This team will definitely be much more of a good watch than the LA Lakers will be. And I would argue, and I hate to say this, even as a Lakers fan, is that let the Clippers take the Lakers spots on primetime TV because I don't want to see it. <laughs> I don't. I don't. That's how frustrated I am with as a Lakers fan. You know, forty three years of, of being a fan, it's this is one of those one of those things where I I would I wasn't even as, as disgusted watching the mid two thousand teams as I am with this team as way it's currently constructed right now. 
So I'd much rather see – I wish the Lakers were the Clippers and the Clippers were the Lakers. <laughs> like the, if we had the players the Clippers had and the Lakers had the players, the, the, Lakers, the, Clippers, the Clippers had the Lakers players and the Lakers had the Clippers players, I'd be fine. But it's the other way around. So uh, not looking good. So I look for the Clippers to make some noise, man. Really, truly. So the Phoenix Suns are up next. And, uh, you know, they were, you know, two years removed from the finals and another deep run of playoffs last year. Um, they re-signed DeAndre Aiden um, in the – in a, in a dark night type move where they went out and let him get a qualifying offer as a strict free agent and they matched it. Uh, so he's back in the fold, but he's not happy with the organization, especially the coach. So that's a problem. Um, they finished 64 and 18 last year, uh, retaining Chris Paul, Devin Booker, obviously, and DeAndre Aiden. You know, Mikael Bridges, Cam Payne, and you know, Jordan, and those guys are still back. Um, they made a, they made some. You know, savvy moves in the offseason. They got Damian Lee, uh, Dwayne Washington, jo- Jock Landis from the Hawks in the trade. Josh Ogigi, whoever that is. Uh, they didn't have any draft picks, so they didn't draft. So, um, yeah, I think with the, with the, with the, with the, they could finish second or third in the division, in all honesty. But it all just hinges on how DeAndre Aiden plays. I don't, I'm not sure he's going to play well. Uh, he got his money, so he's comfortable, and he's not comfortable where he is. So he it might be a, an implosion of sorts because if DeAndre Aiden doesn't play well, I don't think they win anything um, as far as a playoffs are concerned. But I do think they can still make the playoffs with the wild roster with, is what they have with the uh, front court they have with Paul and Booker. But I don't know, man. I think this 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 team could take a downturn if uh, if Aiden doesn't buy in. Uh, and it's not looking good right now. He's not having conversations with his coach and this that, and the third. So who knows? Um, and I think they're on a really professional only relationship. So we'll see. We'll see how things shake out. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I think they can still be above 500, but how far above 500 the pace of how Aiden plays. But again, I still think they're on paper, they're better than the Clippers, the Lakers, and the, uh, <laughs> and the rest of the division, the Kings. Um, so we'll see. We will see. Moving to the cream of the crop, the, the, the champs, the, the Golden State Warriors, who finished 53 and 29 last year. Um, they lost Gary Payton, but they went out and got Dante DiVincenzo, as well as Jermichael Green. Um, they got four draft picks. They didn't sneaky with the draft. I'll tell you, the Warriors are sneaky. They get in these developmental players, and they just let them sit in the weeds and wait. They develop them, you know, and, and, uh, and they bring them along slowly, and all of a sudden you get your Jordan Pools and, and Kamingas and, and Wisemans that all – somehow or another play well, uh, you know, down in two or three years later, and they come out of practically nowhere. So look out for guys like Patrick Baldwin, uh, Ryan Rollins, Guy uh, Santos, you know, to be good, you know, in a few years because they just have an eye for talent. But they still got Steph Curry, still got Klay Thompson, still got Draymond Green, and you know, they got Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins, who they just signed to long-term extensions, so they're going to be the future. So it's just a matter of how well Draymond and Poole coalesce and how how well they uh can put their issues aside and compete for a title because I think that's what the goal is. And I think they're going to be professional about it and try to accomplish that goal. And in off season, they probably will go separate ways. But they, to me, they're the favorite right now to be the number one in the division and probably the conference. Um, you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man, and they are the men right now. So we will see. All right. So the last division is the South. West Division with the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, the Pelicans, the Spurs, and the Rockets. Oh, the Lonely Rockets! I think much like the <laughs> the Kings in a small space, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Utah Jazz. This 
it's a lot going on and it's not much good right now. Um, I do like their biggest name in Jalen Green. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. is still there. They got Eric Gordon, Wally veteran. Um, they drafted Jabari Smith with the third overall pick. Um, Terry Eason with the 17th overall. Tata Washington Jr. with the 29th overall. Um, they got Derek Favors and Trey from the Thunder and Theo Maladon from the Thunder as well as Oban Maranovich from the Mavericks. So, um, I don't know. Still trying to figure out where they're going with the direction. Um, you know, they keep moving pieces around and what and what are they trying to accomplish? You know, most teams when they make moves, you can kind of see the the aspect or the ideology behind it, but the teams on the bottom tier of the Western Conference, I just can't figure it out. I just can't figure it out. I'm just haven't, you know, figured out the the secret sauce, if you will. Or maybe they're just trying to they're just shooting bullets in the dark and hoping they hit something. I don't know. But um, teams on the way, they're 20-62 last year, and I don't think they're going to be much better than that this year, you know, honestly. But, um, you know, they got some decent draft picks, you know, in the last two or three drafts. So, you know, can they, you know, bring on – can they galvanize their young guys and play solid basketball? That is the question. But I don't got them finishing higher than fifth, <laughs> you know, and I think that's a pretty good safe bet. All right, so San Antonio Spurs in the same vein because they just they traded with the best guy in uh, Dejounte Murray last year. Um, Popovich has always been on un- you know uncanny in bringing in guys that you don't really know, developing them. You know your Kawhi Leonard's, your Tony Parker's, your manager Nobles and things of that nature. Even Dejounte Murray, but he can't seem to retain guys no more either. So that's another problem. Um, what I've got, Gorgie Ding and Lee's. Ali, Alize, I don't call him Alize, but Elise Johnson, Isaiah Roby, uh, and for agencies, who are those guys? They drafted Jeremy Sokon, Malachi Branham, and Blake Wesley. I don't know. Very frustrating just to talk about because you just don't know what they're doing, you know, and it just doesn't hold well typically for good basketball. It's a rough watch as being a Spurs fan, in all honesty. 34 48 last year, the biggest players are Kelton Johnson. They could pull light and Josh, Josh Richardson. I don't know. I don't know. I, I really can't tell you what, and I'm not going to waste a lot of your time on what they're doing because I don't expect them to do much. Fourth in the division behind the rock in front of the Rockets, but barely, but barely. So moving on to more interesting topics, New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans, um, getting Zion, John, Zion, Johnson, Zion Williamson back and, uh, off of injury. And uh, they uh, will definitely uh, need that. CJ McCullough, Brandon Ingram is your round out your big three. So that's a decent start. Um, they definitely made some noise in the playoffs the first round last year. But I got three draft picks and Dyson Daniels and EJ Liddell and Carlo Matkovich, the 52nd overall. 36 46 last year, made the playoff tournament, made the first round, and, you know, took. Pushed, pushed the, in, their opponent in the first round to, I won't say the brink, but they pushed him. So I expect with Zion being healthy and whole and non-injured for the whole season, they should make even more noise. I think they could be uh, a top-end playing team or the sixth seed if they uh, if they if they play the cards right. It just depends on how well uh, those three coalesce and, and play basketball together and they can all stay healthy. All right, so moving on to the Dallas Mavericks, who, who pushed the uh, limits of their potential last year with Luka Doncic and Jenna Brunson and those guys. Uh, 52 and 30 last year, they uh, went out and got JaVale McGee, and they traded for Christian Wood, which I think that was a really good pickup for them. 
Um, just a question of whether or not how well how well he's going to mesh with Luca and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Finney Smith and those guys. But um, I did like to pick up. I think it was a great trade made by them. They went out and got Jaden Harvey in the 37th overall pick in the draft. So I think this team is is going to either stay where they were last year or maybe a, 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 a uptick better just slightly uh, with Christian Wood addition. Um, they did lose Jalen Brunson, so you, you trade Jalen Brunson for Christian Wood. So I think it balances them out more so because Christian Wood is a is a more of a wing and 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 paint player. But um, but I think that you know if Luca can uh, take a, another step as being a superstar and Christian Wood can him and Christian Wood can mesh well. Uh, and play good basketball together. I think they can definitely be formidable and finish second in the division. And, uh, you know, just behind the division winners, the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, you know, everybody knows I'm high on these boys. Young and ready to roll. Uh, they got Danny Green in free agency. 56 and 26 last year, and I think they can build on that. They got, they they have, there's another team that's uncanny ability to develop young, no-name uh, talent in a draft and, and make them stars. Desmond Bain, you didn't hear about him much in college. Jaron Jackson Jr. You got John Morant, who was probably the only person that we kind of felt like it was going to be it, and he's a superstar now. Went on, got Jake Laravia, 19th overall, David Roddy, 23rd overall, Kennedy Chandler, 38th overall, and Vince Williams Jr., 47th overall. So, of course, your big three are John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr., so uh, yeah, I think they finished second. I'm excuse me, first in the division, um, in front of the Dallas Mavericks, and uh, I respect them to be second in the in the, the conference overall behind the Warriors, um, based upon their performance last year. They should build on that, and Taylor Jenkins should have these boys playing that much better going into the season. So um, yeah, we will see exactly how things break. But I like the Grizzlies. I like the Warriors. And uh, yeah, there's been been one, two, and then everybody else can kind of fill in there. But watch out for the Clippers. Uh, watch out for the Nuggets. And those are my other two uh, middle of the pack, you know, three, maybe four guys. And then your Timberwolves, your uh, the Mavericks, you know, those guys. Yeah, I think those, those are, you know, if they, all things remain equal, those would be your uh, definite playoff team. So we'll see how it goes, man. But um. I think for everybody indulging me with this segment, uh, like I said, I wanted to finish it for you because I, I started it. You know, life happened and I couldn't finish it the way in, in order I wanted to, but I definitely want to bring it to you uh, before the season really got going on this first Thursday of the NBA season. And uh, we're going to keep this thing rolling, man, and we're going to start getting to our power rankings and things of that nature next week about how we feel about early on what we think teams are going to, how teams are going to perform. So watch out for that. So that's my take on the uh, NBA preseason divisional breakdown for the Western Conference. Now, uh, and as I said, and I, and I stated in length, you know, I, I feel like, you know, things can always change, obviously. But, you know, if I feel like all things remain equal, that would be, could and would be what we'd be looking like coming down the stretch. You know, I, it's very frustrating and very, you know, troublesome for me as a Lakers fan because I'm just not used to this type of, uncertainty with our with the Lakers organization. I just say that as a fan. Um and as you know, a person that, you know, on this network, as a as a sports analyst on this network, I really feel like there's a lot of uncertainty and I hope that it's something that we haven't seen yet or can't see around the corner to to predict that that's gonna change or turn around this organization because it's not looking good. It really isn't. But you know, overall, like I said, I, I think there is some growing pains gonna be happening for the Lakers, obviously. There's gonna be growing pains for uh, the Rockets, the Thunder, the Kings in, in particular, Spurs as well. 
But everybody else outside of those teams, I really feel like they got a, a legit shot to be competitive. Um, I think the Pelicans could be a dark horse. I, I for sure, damn sure, I think the Clippers can be a dark horse. Um, you know, like I said, the Trailblazers, the Clippers, the Pelicans—they all seem like be dark horse uh, teams that could break out in 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 shock and and change the dynamics and change the order of by which the East Western Conference is shaken out. I think the Warriors are the cream of the crop. I think short order followed by. Uh, the Tim, uh, excuse me, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Timberwolves are in the fold, the Mavericks are in the fold, uh, the Suns. I'm not sure what to think of them when it comes down to the DeAndre Ayton situation. Like I said, so it's 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 up in the air. It really is up in the air. Um, you know, and he looked dis he looked disengaged in certain spaces last night when he played against the uh, Mavericks. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. Well, I don't know how they want to fix that, but that's going to be a, a deal breaker to me. Um, the Jazz are rebuilding, um, in my opinion, although they did win their first game, which is wild. But uh, yeah, so uh, overall, man, I think the Western Conference is loaded. I think it's, you know, it, you're looking at probably about 10 to 11 teams that all can be in the mix, you know, barring injury. So um, yeah, so it's going to be a, a good season. Um, it is a lot of parity. I think there's only two clear-cut teams that are ready to, to go and they will be there come uh, playoff time and we'll be standing at the near top or at the top of each conference, the Bucks and the Warriors. Outside of that, it gets anybody's ballgame for either conference. So we'll see how it shakes out, man, but I'm looking forward to the season, man. It's it's wild. It, is, it's, it jumped up point upon us so fast that basketball's already here, and we just really getting grown with football. So that being said, man, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with NFL headlines. It is the Lockdown Davis Podcast. <laughs> Lockdown Defense family, Coach Defense here to announce that the flagship of the Sports Network, the Lockdown Defense podcast, is now broadcasting each and every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on all your popular platforms you get your podcast from. Giving you week-to-week real, edgy, raw, and unfiltered content of the NBA and NFL. And if you've been listening to me up to this point, it wouldn't be a show without Chargers and Lakers news. So if you're looking for a one-stop shop for sports, look no further than the Lockdown Davis podcast. As a tribute to fans of the show, if you'd like any questions answered on the show, please send me a message on social media between Friday and Tuesday at 10 p.m. to be eligible on the show. On Instagram, I'm Lockdown Defense Sports. On Twitter, I'm Lockdown Defense. So catch me each and every week live on Sports Talk each and every Tuesday, 9 p.m. Standard Time. That's a new day and time for Sports Talk with Coach and Kurt. Catch me Wednesdays on the Wild Wild West podcast at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, of course, the podcast on Thursdays at 10 a.m. So, like, comment, and subscribe to the channels if you have not already because I'm truly here until I get banned. Now back to the show.
And we are back with NFL headlines. It is the Lockdown Defense Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Man, oh man, we are back with NFL headlines, man. And I want to say that I'm very happy to bring a new segment to you called the Cover Four. We're going to get into our four best games of the week. Uh, we're going to pick and choose where we feel like the best four matchups in, in our perspective. And we're going to talk about them in short order. As well as getting to an interview with Coach Curry again, uh, bringing him back for another segment. Talk about the curious case of Russell Wilson. We're going to give our opinions on Russell Wilson and, and what's going on with him uh, in the past and the present and hopefully the future. And then we're going to break down Thursday Night Football, the Saints at the Cardinals. We're going to talk about that and where the keys of victory are going to be for who we think is going to win that game. So, starting off, man, starting off with uh, the cover four, man. Uh, so, our matchup this week in the cover four with the Buccaneers at the Steelers. Cowboys at the Eagles, the Bills at the Chiefs, obviously, and the Broncos at the Chargers. So, uh, all these games kind of went to according to plan, according to my picks um, in my pick'em league this week. But uh, outside of the Buccaneers and the Steelers, and we'll start with that. Now, that was a very interesting game. I mean, to say the least. I mean, we can uh, talk about you know what was or what wasn't in that game all day long. But um, the Buccaneers got a lot of problems on their hands. They really do. Uh, they got a lot. They got a lot to deal with. They uh, and 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 I, I don't say that lightly, um, you know. And I'm not gonna sit here and say that Tom Brady, uh, being the guy he is and the person that he's been over the course of, you know, let's say, you know, all the many years, what twenty plus years, forty five now, or twenty through twenty three years in the league now, something of that nature. Um, so you know, I'm not gonna sit here and say that he can't bring it back, but. They got a lot of work to do. The O line is in shambles. That don't look to be fixed. And uh, what are they going to do when it comes down to them competing? Um, you know, I feel like honestly, truly, if if I had to be uh, cynical in a sense, you know, it's it is see, and I knew it was going to be top heavy, and the rest will kind of be in a little bit of disarray. But I feel like the whole entire NFC outside of the Eagles is in disarray. I mean, just think about it. The Eagles, the only team, is undefeated. And they're playing like a, a, a contender should play, right? Everybody else has their woes. You know, I don't believe in Dallas. They've been playing with a backup quarterback for Christ's sake. I mean, we, we don't believe in Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott at the moment. That's just, let's, let's, let's just cut the crap there, right? But what's also scary, in a sense, is that uh, what, you know, what, other, what the Green Bay Packers are doing or not doing, uh, we, we're scared about that. Uh, the Vikings are, are, are seem to be fool's gold, in my opinion. Again, the Buccaneers in that division, everybody else in that division is floundering, obviously, and we didn't expect much out of them. But the Buccaneers were expecting them to be good, and they're floundering. The AFC, the NFC West is a complete mess. Complete mess. And uh, nobody's, I mean, between injuries, between injuries and or uh, just bad football play, they've all struggling. The Rams, the Super Bowl champs, they're struggling. Fortnite's are banged up. Seattle's playing decent, but I mean, do we really believe them to be able to sustain the level of play that you know they're 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 playing at right now? Overall, you know, might be a soft schedule. Could be a lot of things, but I don't believe the Seattle to be one of those teams to be there at the end. You know, and then there's the Cardinals, and we just don't know what to make of them week to week. You know, again, people are, are laughing and joking that the that Kyler Murray, when the Call of Duty comes out next week, that he's gonna regress and not be locked in anymore and never watch film and and he's gonna look like a pure hot garbage in his own right. So who knows? But again, going back to the Buccaneers, uh <laughs> they lost to uh Steelers team who had, you know, it questions at quarterback and Kenny Pickett got knocked out of this game 
Uh, he was only 11-18 with 67 yards at the time, but he got knocked out with a concussion. And Mr. Trubisky came in, and we all know why Mr. Trubisky was sitting on the bench to begin with. Now, granted, he was 9-12 for 144 and a touchdown, but, you know, it wasn't a mind-blowing uh, explosion of offense from the, from the Steelers. It was just really bad uh, play offensively from the Buccaneers, who played a Steelers defense that was missing, missing Minka Fitzpatrick, missing T.J. Watt, I mean, they're missing. I think they're missing like two or three corners, if I'm not mistaken. You're missing a, a, almost a complete secondary, no dominant pass rusher, and you still can't move the ball against them. I granted, I give Mike Tom a lot of credit for being a great coach, but you know, whole, whole, historically, holistically, Tom Brady has typically owned the Steelers, so we thought this all was a layup. <laughs> Boy, were we wrong. Boy, were we wrong, and that's what happened. That's what happened. So uh, we don't know. We don't know what's happening with the Buccaneers, but uh, they need to fix it and fix it quick because uh, this here, uh, this ain't going to do it. 20 to 18, lo- lo- losing to the Steelers, man. 20 to 18. And again, and Tom Brady's numbers were very pedestrian. Very pedestrian. 25 of 40 for 243, one touchdown. He got sacked twice, a 58.2 QBR and an 87.8 uh, quarterback rate. Not going to get it done. Leonard Fournette had 21 carries for only 63 yards. Not going to get it done. Not going to get it done. Um, the only person that had a good, decent game to speak of was Leonard Ford and Chris Godwin. But again, it wasn't enough to get it done. And you got Tom screaming at his old lineman, uh, going, uh, going into, uh, I guess you could say going into the break. I think they were like, it was like 40 some seconds left in the first or second quarter. You know, he was just, they were down 10 to six and he was hooping and holler. <laughs> hooping and holler. So got to fix it, Tom. You know, it, the NFC is to be taken. Can you take it? And the defense is playing pretty good, but the offense just can't seem to get right, boss. Can't seem to get right. So next up was the Cowboys at the Eagles. Um, Cooper Rush, although there was rumors that Dak Prescott might play in this game, Cooper Rush started this game in Philly. Um, looks like it's going to be his last game starting because Dak Prescott is, looks like he's going to be raring to go uh, this week off that hand injury. But yeah, Cooper uh, was at this point he was undefeated as a starter. Now you know if you if you want to be honest about it, right? Didn't see that happening either. So that's a, that's a definitely interesting uh, in its own right. But that the <laughs> I tell you, the, your boys the uh, Philly came out smoking. They were they they were out to like a twenty nothing lead, seventeen or twenty nothing lead before Dallas got a field goal before half. Uh, Dallas been interesting. They got two touchdowns in the second half to to pull to pull within a, a score. But uh, Philly got, uh, I believe, uh, they got six points in the fourth quarter to uh, seal the deal uh, for, uh, I think it was a touchdown they got, but I think they went for two to try to make it a two-possession game, but uh, they missed the two points. So uh, that would allow for them to be able to win the game by a score of 26-17. to 17. So, you know, in all honesty, I mean, <laughs> just the, the tail of the tape when it comes down to the first half, uh, Eagles were all over Dallas. They were disrupting Cooper Rush. They picked him off a couple of times. I think he had three t- three in- interceptions in the entirety of the game. Uh, so, you know, they were running the ball effectively. Um, 39 attempts for 136 yards in the game. Miles Sanders had a 71 yards, deleted with one touchdown. Jalen Hurts was efficient. Uh, he did get sacked for a time, ironically, but uh, he was 15 to 25 for 155 with two touchdowns. Uh, 104.6 quarterback rating. So, uh, A.J. Brown had 67 yards of a touchdown. Devontae Smith had 44 in a touch. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, I would definitely say that uh, the Eagles are the cream of the crop when it comes to NFC uh, East at this moment. And, um, you know, although the Giants are up there as well, I don't believe in their sustainability, nor do I believe in the Cowboys' sustainability, to be honest. 
Um, so I believe this is, is the Eagles division to lose. They can stay healthy. They can still play their brand of football, the football they brand, the brand of football that they want to play. Oh, they they they're going to be a tough out. They're going to be a tough out. And I had to bet right now, based upon the shambles that I alluded to earlier, that the NFC is in. Eagles definitely win the win the conference at this moment. They they had a favorite to go to Super Bowl in my opinion. You know, you could argue that a healthy 49ers team can give us some go, but I mean, with, with the Packers struggling, the Vikings being fool's gold, everybody else in their division in the NFC East being fool's gold, we don't know what Tampa is, and um, and I feel like Eagles right now could beat Tampa right now. You know, if they play them today, who knows what they? I mean, and anybody in the NFC West at this moment can't beat them. So they right now they're the cream of the crop, man. And I think they they got sustained power. Give Nick Sirianni a lot of credit, man, for having the team ready to roll, man. But the Cowboys, we're going to see if their team is different. They're a different brand of, of or a different brand of beast when when it comes down to uh, how they will perform once Dak gets back in the fold. So now let's talk about the game of the week. <laughs> the Bills at the Chiefs. Uh, great game. <laughs> I mean, we're going to start it with that. Great game. Great game. Uh, and we know, can't, can't say enough about this uh, matchup. Now, it's funny that Tony Robo predicted the score before the game uh, really got going, right? And it ended up being exactly what he predicted. But uh, it gave us everything and more um, as far as a, a marquee matchup in a, a serious heavyweight bout of a matchup um, they, they brought to us. And we definitely were not cheated in that space. Um, you know, it was defense being played. There was offense being ran. I mean, we talking, um, you know, uncharacteristic two interceptions by Patrick Mahomes, one late to seal the game. Uh, Josh Allen played lights out 27 to 40, 329 with three touchdowns, only one sack, 117.6 quarterback rating. Burb. Patrick Mahomes had a good game too. Just the two picks kind of derailed him, but 25 to 40, 338 with two touchdowns. But those two picks hurt. Uh, they killed, killed a driving in, uh, killed uh, their ability to get back into the game at the end. Uh, Juju had a nice breakout game with a five for 113 in the touchdown. Miko Hartman scored. Uh, Stephon Diggs had a monster game, though. Man, 10 for 148, the touchdown. Gabe Davis chipped in with three for 74 in the touchdown. And even Dawson Knox with his three receptions, one of which were a touchdown, and they ended up being the game winner. So we definitely got a lot of good football in this game. Um, it was it was It was a lot... It was a lot to take in, and it was definitely entertaining from top to bottom, nail-biting in a certain regard. So we definitely here to say that, uh, yeah, man, this is going to be a rivalry of, of epic proportion between these two quarterbacks for years to come. Uh, they're both young, and they're both in their prime. So I would definitely believe that this is a a, a, a la Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning type of a vibe um, in the new generation. So, uh, yeah, we definitely want to see – this uh, fold, unfold and be uh, a marquee matchup uh, for years to come, man. So uh, we definitely uh, enjoyed this. And it's a shame we only get it maybe once or twice a year. It's, that's the only thing that's, that's shameful about it. But, um, you know, I'm not going to put too much stock into it because that's what the Bills did to the Chiefs last year. They went into their building, they beat them, and then they flipped the script on them in the, in the playoffs and and, and uh, the Chiefs ended up coming out of that game with the victory and beating the, uh, the, the Bills at home. But, I will say this, that the caveat to this is it could be different uh, and what will be different from last year to this year that this game could be played if it's in the playoffs again, it could be played in in Buffalo. And that could make a whole lot of difference when it comes down to having home field advantage uh, come January. So let's be on the lookout for that. Let's definitely be on the lookout for that. But I'm hoping that we see this matchup and nothing you know, goes crazy or breaks wrong with them being 
uh, foes or being adversaries for the next, you know, 10 years. I'm, I'm all for that for sure. All for that. But great game. Bills win 24-20. And in the last game, we got uh, my beloved Chargers uh, at home versus the Broncos. Now, we, we've, given, uh, we've given the Broncos a lot of heat um, since they started this uh, journey with Russell Wilson. And as we as we going to talk about in a little bit about Russell Wilson's struggles with uh interview I had with Coach Kurt and I, we're you know it's 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 rough to see him struggle like this when he's been um on a Hall of Fame type path in this in this career in Seattle, right? So uh, they come into a SoFi Stadium to play the Chargers, and um you know there's definitely some storylines on each side of the ball. Russell's not playing well. The offense not moving the ball. They're terrible in the red zone. They turn the ball over too often. And the only bright spot about the Broncos is their defense is playing lights out. And that's all, that was been my question about the Broncos team because the way they constructed, the defense has good personnel, but you have to have a good uh, person in the room from a coordinator perspective, a leadership perspective that's going to keep them on the same track of being dominant, right? And that was my question with leaving or moving off of Vic Fangio and going to a head coach, an office of mine head coach, Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, but what they did do is they did hire uh, a person that's in uh, Fangio's coaching tree um, in their assistant or their defense coordinator. And so he has a lot of uh, Fangio's uh, schemes and, and philosophies. So by hiring him as their defense coordinator, they definitely snuck off a nice move in bringing him in and being a D coordinator to allow Fangio to run offense. So the defense is definitely playing well. And they're one of the top tier defenses in the league. Now, as a quick fantasy tip, if you don't hit a Broncos as a, as a fantasy defense, you might want to go pick them up. But they're not giving up a whole lot of points this year. And they proved to me from a bird's eye view of playing my charges that they're legit. And they're not even they're fully healthy. So imagine if they get fully healthy and get everybody back, how formidable they can be defensively. So if that Broncos defense is sitting out there on, or in trade or waiver wire, go pick it up. It's definitely going to bring dividends to you from a fantasy perspective. So that's my bit of fantasy news. But the story for the Broncos is that can they move the ball? You know, the Chargers defense has been a little bit up and down, you know, better personnel wise, but they've had some struggles here and there. They had a long issue with stopping the run against the Browns, but the Browns just honestly, truly, I don't care who lines up against them. They run the ball well, you know, so I won't, you know, completely browbeat them for giving up the yards they did to Dix Chubb, but um, you know, there's been a, a contentious moment. People been there running a ball, a tick, a tick on the Chargers. Uh, the past defense has been pretty decent. The pass rush has been pretty decent um, overall. Had a little struggles um, in in the middle two games, but uh, the first, the, th- the fifth, and the sixth game has been pretty solid from a pass rush perspective. So I definitely, you know, think in this game going in was going to be a, a knockdown drag out. It's, and the Broncos always play the Chargers stuff. It doesn't matter who's is, you know, it's kind of like that age old division rivalry where no matter who is good and who's bad, that this game's always bomb burns. And this was this one really was. It was more of a defensive struggle and more defensive battle. Um, you know, because speaking about the Chargers and their in their in their stories, Justin Herbert uh having this rib cartilage issue, um, Corey Lindsay uh suddenly being out because of food poisoning. You know, Allen suddenly not playing. We thought he was trending towards playing as the Broncos when he told us Sunday that he couldn't go. Uh, he needed at least another week. That was a storyline. Uh, Donald Parham going down in the middle of the game with a concussion. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, just and, and Josh Kelly, our second running back, and our number two running back going down with a, a, a MCL sprain on a kickoff. So, yeah, it was a lot to unpack uh, from an offensive perspective. The defense played well outside of the first drive. Outside of the first drive, the defense played well 
um, there was, a, uh, I guess you can say, uh, a sticking point that we, uh, I guess you can realize halfway through the game that uh, J.C. Jackson got benched. <laughs> and I, it kind of it kind of escaped me for a second until I realized Mike Williams, not Mike Williams, but Mike Davis was out there covering the outside uh, where J.C. normally plays. And I was like, is he hurt? What happened? And it just turns out they pulled him. They pulled him. He wasn't playing well, and either he pulled himself or they pulled him off, and they let Mike Davis play. And Mike Davis actually played pretty good um, from a, a coverage perspective. I was very impressed by him. The amount of money he's making, he needs to play like that, and I'm just going to be critical. But he played well. Sade Samuel Jr. played well as well. The pass rush was getting out the rust, and they just couldn't move the ball outside that first drive. So, um, But on the flip side, the, the Chargers had trouble moving the ball in the past game, couldn't run the ball at all. And can get the ball to Mike Williams at all because Patrick Sertan was all over him like a blanket. So, yeah, it, it really came down to one touchdown for both teams and field goals. It just so happens that the Chargers kicked one more field goal than the Broncos did to win the game. Now, kind of came down to a little bit of a controversial call when uh, they punted the ball back to the uh, Broncos. And uh, one of the uh, Broncos players tried to block Jaseer Taylor. And Jaseer Taylor uh, engaged him and knocked him into the return man which caused a fumble and a muff punt, which the Chargers recovered. Now, the, sm- the glee in my in my in my bones for that moment because typically, wait, these close games and and special turn miscues usually end up with the Chargers losing. So it was a breath of fresh air to see us win a game finally, where the other team fumbles a punt or or miscue miscue or kick goes wrong with their team and we actually get the victory for it. We had won two games like that in a row almost. The Browns missing the field goal and us them muffing a punt on the Broncos side and us giving us the victory. Now, <laughs> the surprise note of this situation is the fact that Dustin Hopkins, who had a banged up leg the whole game after his first kick, uh, kicked a perfect the whole game. Like, he didn't miss a kick. So, uh, yeah, kudos to him. Um, it was at a cost though, because he's going to be out two to four weeks with an injury. Now, one of those weeks is a bye week. So we do have the breast of fresh air in that regard. So we got to play Seattle without him. And then we get a bye week and then we got two games probably most likely without him as well. So we got to find a filling kicker. But, um, the good news is I think the, f- the game after the bye is Atlanta. So, uh, I think that we'll, we'll, we'll be all right there. I think we'll be all right there in the game after that, I believe it's a divisional game. So. Yeah, we maybe so maybe one tough game in the stretch of the idea that Dustin's gonna be gone. But you know, victory is a victory, win is a win. To play, to play, uh, I, I want to call it poorly, but to play not up to your standards that you think this office can be, and still be four and two is a win for the Chargers, in my opinion. So I think we should count our blessings and be thankful for the fact that we four and two and build from here. We got a tough game against Seattle this week, and I think that hopefully we can. Uh, uh, be better on offense and move the ball better in a running game and a pass game. And uh, and hopefully we can uh, come out with a W and go to the bye week 5-2. Uh, and two. So we'll see how things shake out, man. But that is the cover four, man. So I hope you all enjoyed this segment. We'll try to keep doing this week to week on a podcast to break down our, our favorite four games of the week. And, um, you know, we'll recap uh, the games and how they played out and what we thought the sticking points were in those games. So, all right, so we're going to move forward now with uh, our uh, video with uh, Coach Kurt in the Curious Case of Russell Wilson. All right, we are back with Coach Kurt and our NFL segment talking about the curious case of Russell Wilson. Now, this is a topic that him and I have been been waiting to discuss yes. for quite some time now and try yep. to understand 
what is going on with Russell Wilson. Now, you know, it, you know, from our optics, you know, Russell Wilson, I think you should have said to me with me. We, you know, Russell Wilson is, is a classy guy. Like we he's a stand-up yeah. guy to us. You yeah. know, we didn't understand, you know, the the amount of hatred and vitriol that he was getting from his uh, uh former players that no longer were the Seahawks. Now current players that are currently on the Seahawks that he's now left and going to the Broncos. And now there's rumors and in, 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 I guess you can say buzzing around the locker room that, you know, there's issues with him being in Denver, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, you know, he's, he's, he's a politician. He's presidential. Like you can't, you got to go through his assistant to talk to him and all this type of jazz. Right. So I want to get your take on exactly what you think is going on with Russell Wilson. And do you think that this, his, the disingenuous opinions or, or I guess you can say criticism of him is, is it warranted? You know, because we have seen him go from wanting out of Seattle, and it was it was like buzzes for like two seasons that he wanted out before he actually got out. Right. Um. You know, his time there, his time leading up to him leaving Seattle, um, the backlash the team had for him when him leaving, and yeah. what's going on in Denver. So, give me your opinion on exactly what you think of that's going on there, and and are we off base with his, the, the you know our our opinions? Let me put it that way. Yeah. Um. I'll say this. I haven't studied the the Seattle situation in great detail, but I really haven't heard when he was leaving on his way out. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear any of his wide receivers come up to defend him. Well, I, I think DK. I think DK did. I mean, him and DK actually are, cl- are close. This, but he's DK is the only person that really sings Russell's praises. Like everybody else, just don't have, have nothing to say. And that kind of lends to the idea people can interpret. If you don't have nothing to say, kind of like what your mom used to say, if you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all, right? Yeah. So you yeah. can interpret it as that. So Ty, you know, when I look at the situation, one, I looked at it like this on, on some competitive type stuff. Russell, you letting Gino outplay you? Yeah, Gino right. is right. look. Again, when looking at it, you're allowing um, what's the coach there? Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Yeah. Pete Carroll's mm-hmm. looking like a genius right now. He really Pete is. Pete Carroll's looking like, oh, he saw something. No wonder they let him go because it de- it never made sense when you have what many consider a perennial Hall of Fame quarterback that is a starting for your organization, mm-hmm. and you're comfortable. You're digging your your heels in you're drawing a line in the sand mm-hmm. and you are letting him go for a journeyman now whatever you think hey i give him credit he's playing in the nfl geno smith if you're one of those thousand that have made it and stayed in the nfl mm-hmm. kudos to you but when you're looking at it they let him walk for geno mm-hmm. smith and well, they let him. They let him walk. They got a, a, a they got a good ROI. They got a good return on investment, they and they they, they fleeced Denver. Now, when you look at it, when you yeah. look at this trade, you know how many that, draft picks they hit with those picks that they got. This is a la Dallas and Minnesota. It's Ooh. it's it's a la Dallas and Minnesota when Ooh, good when, one. when Jimmy Johnson traded Herschel Walker mm. to Minnesota. And got all those draft built picks. Built a dynasty off of it. Built a dynasty off that. Now when you look at uh, uh, Seattle and you look at what Geno Smith is doing, again, he is winning. He has kept Seattle competitive. Mm-hmm. And he has played, when you look stat for stat, he has played lights out when you look at what's happened with Russell. So let's go back to what you said about the, the atmosphere. 
Mm. Um, we, we, I, we use this phrase. You've heard this phrase, and I'm going to say it again. When there's smoke, there's fire. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the body language of Denver Broncos and the players, the game before last uh, that they played, there was rumblings that you could see where people were starting to look at Russ a little sideways. Mm-hmm. And that lends to what you've heard about Russ where, and I think this changed when they lost the Super Bowl, when, mm-hmm. when they turned, quote unquote, turned the team over to Russ and mm-hmm. then hand off to Marshawn and let mm-hmm. Russ throw it. Mm-hmm. There is rumblings that, Russ has gotten quote unquote the big head, right? Where he's he's at a place where he feels like you gotta you gotta go through other people to get to me. You have to talk to other. I don't talk to people this way. Uh some people feel like his interview style and uh, at the time go hawks um and now go broncos and all that and let's ride is very in uh um disingenuous, mm-hmm. it's not authentic and mm-hmm. Russ is manufactured, meaning he's, as you said, the politician style, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's always calculated. He's thinking about his brand and he's 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 saying things in a very coy politician term. Um, and again, some players don't, you know, some players don't rock with that. I'm just shocked mm-hmm. at the play in Denver as well. Um, Russ is looking like a shell of himself. Uh, he's always been a second level guy, meaning if the play breaks down, he's been able to get out the pocket and extend plays. And he, you know, he's, he's not looking like that player in, in Denver. And I was one of the people that thought, oh my gosh, Denver, what they had that defense. Mm-hmm. Now the receiving core that they had a mm-hmm. strong running back system. I thought that just having been a quarterback away, Russell was going to be that type of player. But obviously, Pete Carroll saw something in Seattle these last two years. And as you said, he was rumbling about wanting to get out. He lended, you know, from interviews I've heard, he felt slighted because they was putting him on a trading block. Mm -hmm. Um, But, man, how quick do things turn around? But, you know, when you hear certain players like, yo, proving our point, yo, Russell ain't the Russell y'all think he ain't. He's not that guy, and mm-hmm. I'm not here to to sully this 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 gen, this gentleman's name name. From what I look at, he looks like a cool guy. People can say he's mm-hmm. corny. People can say he's whatever. Right. Um, but if he is, that's just his personality. That's not something you know you're gonna knock somebody for. But if he's not authentic like that, and players don't rock with him, um, not that he got to go out and do all that, but players don't rock with his style and. He's like, I'm in the locker room with you, but I got to have all these perks and all these um, pluses that the other players don't get. Mm-hmm. That's when you start to see guys turn their back on uh, other players. When it's like, yo, you can be the dude. You can be top level. We get that, that you are this guy. You're the quarterback. But don't separate yourself where you're now a prima donna or a diva and you can't rock with us and, and be cool with us in the locker room. So, mm-hmm. you know, my that's that's my feelings. Um, but Denver, man, I'm shocked at Denver's record right now. They're, they are looking like a horrible team. Now, I know some of that has to do with their coach, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're now realizing that 
he was not the right pick to lead this organization. Some of the play calling that I've seen him uh, make, mm-hmm. but they, this has been some horrible football coming out of Denver. That's the uh, fact, especially offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, has been playing great. Defense has play- been playing great, but yeah. offensively, they cannot look. They can't hit a side of a barn with a shotgun. They're telling, telling so, with a big boulder up with a big yeah. boulder. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They mm-hmm. can't. They can't get wet jumping in the lake with all their clothes off right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much it. Look, I will tell you, I'm one of the people that's shocked to just – I've watched three of their games now, and what they've put on film and what they've shown on TV. It's not good. Look, oh, man, it it is horrible, especially, again, coming from Russell – he hasn't had a 300-yard passing game yet. Since he left Seattle. Since he left Seattle. And mm-hmm. he's continued mm-hmm. what we saw the last couple of years, right? Like what's happened with Russell. And he's doing that in Denver. So right now, Denver's real upset because they look at them draft picks like, what the hell did we just do? Right. Like yeah. I think they might have been okay with having Drew Locke as yeah. a quarterback with, <laughs> with, <laughs> with a new coach rather than what Russell's doing. But yeah. You know, I, I'm not ready to sell a farm yet, but it's a lot of curious things I have. I mean, yeah. you know, you got people questioning the idea that, you know, it was Pete Carroll's system, you know, kind of giving the Bill Belichick mantra. Like, once you leave right. my system, it's it's not the same. It ain't as sweet as you think it is. You know, I right. was, you know, I was covering up for some of his deficiencies and things of that nature. Um, you know, but again, you know, but what you had to go off of in his previous uh, stint with Seattle, you know, it's it's Hall of Fame worthy. Yep. You know, yep. so you can't you can't you can't sully that. You can't you can't marginalize that and say that, you know, because he's having struggles. Now, mind you, he has been injured this whole entire time. Yeah. And now he is dealing with a hamstring injury on top of the lap muscle injury. So, yep. you know, and this lap muscle injury took Dak Prescott completely off the field. Yep. So, you know, I mean, again, I don't want to make excuses for Russell. I mean, you know, hell, I'm a Chargers fan, so I'm okay with the Denver Broncos struggling. But right. you know, but you know, just as a Russell Wilson fan, you know, holistically, it's hard. You know, to say that, you know, he's at his tip-top physical shape, tip-top physical form, you know, and he's coming into a new system. Right. You know, didn't play in the preseason. He's trying to learn Hackett's, uh, you know, ways and his his ability to call plays and and uh, and and be able to, you know, manage the game. So that's an issue. Um, but, you know, overall, like, it got to get better. And it's just a question right. of where where is it going to land as far as it getting better. I mean, right. is Hackett the right fit? Do they got to figure things out? You know, they got to do things differently, you know, and then them having injuries on top of that. The O-line yeah, yeah. is in shambles. Javante going out, you know, that 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 hurts. They lost Tim Patrick before the season even started. So, right. you know, who, who knows? Tim Patrick could have been there, that one person that had just settled everything out. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they revolving door tight end. One week is Albert O. Next week is Eric Sauber. The week after that is is Greg Dolchers when he comes back, the guy they drafted. Right. So, you know, and I'm kind of going forwards to go backwards, but – it's one of those things where you know it, it can be fixed. It's not. It's not some of those things that absolutely positively is irreparable. It's, it's it's unrepairable, right? Right. Right. But you know, but again, they have to settle in and figure it out. I mean, you know, yeah. I wouldn't go as far as you know shit canning the coach, but <laughs> you know, but you gotta you gotta do something, you know, because like you said, this team was built to, with a one quarterback away, an elite quarterback away from being really, really. Formidable. They were talking high playoff, maybe yep. Super Bowl. Yep. You know, if, if the defense can hold up like they held up last year, and the offense can move the ball finally, then that's that's a recipe for winning. Right. 
you know, so you just you just gotta it, it gotta get fixed. But you know, but we all know this. You know, I both played the game, we both coached the game. We both understand that it's more to the football than X's and O's. Yes, it's yes. personality. You know, it's chemistry. You know, it's just overall just a level of trust that you gotta have. Yeah. You know, so if I don't, if again, if you go going back to your point, if there's a just disingenuous aura around Russ. You know, where he's kind of like, it's almost like he's running for office in a sense. Like, he want to be president <laughs> right. when his uh, football career is over. So, I just want to make it seem as if I'm squeaky clean and there's nothing on the surface, there's nothing wrong with me. So, you'll vote for me. Right. You know, right. so I don't want to have any, you know, any negative things on my resume. So, when I go to run for office, you will have nothing to use against me in my presidential race. I don't right. know. Right. You right. Know, but it's I just weird. I want to kiss the babies and shake right. hands. There you go. There you go. And you had nothing to defame me about. You know, I right. you know, wasn't it because I cussed way back when in the press conference and I was uh, you know, you know, playing football and being angry and <laughs> you know and, and jawing at people. You had nothing to use against me. But right, you know, it's, it could be one of those things. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. But regardless yeah. of that, you know, if you if you don't feel like he's being upfront, you know, because that that go that lends to the idea which Richard Sherman and Marshawn Lynch and those guys keep harping on that, you know, even what Channing Crowder said. Now I'm great now. The whole the whole idea of you know calling him a square and he's corny this and the third right I mean come on I mean you can't want to you know him to be cool but you want to a corny dude to date your daughter like it is right it's one of those things where you can't have it both ways like you Russell is the guy you want to come to your house and say he want to date your daughter you right. don't want you don't want future showing up you want Russell showing up <laughs> let's just keep it on one hundred right? right so you know that you can take for that for what it is and you know if, if Russell's not accepted in 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 social circles whatever he's here to play football. Right. You know, but, you know, so I don't know. And and I don't think he's one of those quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers either, where he just standoffish and, you know, you know, I, I'll decide whether or not I like you and you got to deal with me and, and do what I say and, and, and do what I want or, or right. I won't throw you the ball. You know, that kind of thing. He's not right. one of those quarterbacks either. Right. Had all the receivers over his house when he, when they first got to Denver and they all worked out and they've been working out all summer. So, I don't know. It's, it's very again. That's why I call it a curious case because I just I'm very curious about what's wrong with this situation. Why people are starting to they just couldn't wait to pounce on the idea that he's not who we say he is. Right. You right. know they were just waiting for the opportunity because I mean listen when they lost that Thursday night football game, Richard mm-hmm. Sherman was on one. You hear me? Yes. He was on one. You know, and he didn't say Russell's name, but you can tell everybody knew they watched football. He was talking about him. Yes. He knew that. So again. You know, he's saying, he, I could have had another Super Bowl. All these little shots oh, yeah. he was throwing. Russell still, I mean, yeah, Sherman still hasn't let that go. He oh, really, I don't think Marshawn let it go either because they, no. they talk about it on his podcast. You know, Richard Sherman's podcast talking about, you know, right. and that's what the whole I can't call dude directly thing, thing came up right. where he said, I got to call his assistant to reach him and all that kind of stuff. Now, right. I don't know. You know, it, it, it could be a bunch of things. He, if he, he could be bougie. Or he could be just that's the way he compartmentalized everything. Like, right. if you got so many things going on as a businessman, because Russell's a businessman on top of being a football player, right? Yeah. So if you if you if you, in order to compartmentalize and focus on what you need to focus on at the time, maybe you have your assistant filling your calls. Right. Maybe that maybe that's the case. Like you only do that because you need to focus on what you're doing. If people are calling you and constantly giving, trying to get your attention, you can't focus. Right. So it right. could be something like that. I mean, it doesn't have to be the fact that he thinks he's bougie, he's uppity, and, he, and you can't speak to me directly, type of thing. I mean, come on. It could be a bunch of things. We just don't know. Right. You know, if you if you get, if you caught him, you know, per, person to person, man to man, and sat down and have a conversation with him, I'm sure you you ask him real questions. He probably should he should give you real answers. Right. And say that right. you know this is how I handle it. This that things that I do because 
you know, going back to, you know, things he was saying in Seattle, how, you know, he was very, he very fond of Kobe and his mama mentality and things of that nature. Let's be real about it. You know, I'm I'm a very big Kobe Bryant fan. I'm he's yep. hanging up behind above my head. Right. And when when it came down to work and, and the grind, you couldn't get contact with Kobe Bryant either. Nope. Like you 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 can you know if you need to find Kobe, go 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 go, go to, to the, the gym. gym. Go yep. to the gym. Because if he's anywhere else, you're gonna look for him. He wasn't gonna be there. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it could be one of those things where he's just locked into his craft and what he's trying to do. Right, you know, in the time that he 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 wants to spend away, he spent with his family. He got three kids and a wife. You can't get mad at that. No, you can't get mad at that. So, I, again, I, you know, he he's the type of person to me. He lends to me as to being a good guy. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, what my what my what my feelings and my spirit tells me, I tend to go with. Yeah. So it tells me that Russell's a good guy. So I think that you know people are just giving him a hard way to go. Yeah. You know, because he isn't the prototypical football player, you know, the prototypical cool guy, you know, because, I mean, they give Jimmy Garoppolo a lot of credit for being a cool guy. But when the hell, when the last time Jimmy Garoppolo won anything? <laughs> you know, when you want to be the cool guy and lose, yeah. you want to be the square guy and win. Which one you want to be? Yeah. Which yeah. one to be? So I don't know. I, I don't know if the if the Seattle Seahawks teammates are just being, you know, jealous ex-girlfriends or, you know what, you know, they acting like that or. They have any merits to what they're saying? We don't really know, but you know, so for me, for my optics, I believe that Russell Wilson is truly an okay dude. Yeah, you know, I mean, hell, he would Sierra want to be with him if he wasn't? I mean, let's be real. Look who his wife is. You know, she could she had to pick it a little. She could pick whoever she wants to be with. Come on, and she now. picked him. Come on, I so, just I'm just glad they're not winning, so we don't have to hear that damn phrase. Oh uh, uh, no, right, right, let's exactly. Lie. <laughs> You need, I was, he listened at some point. You got to get that up. You got to figure out something else. Up. I mean, I understand that the Broncos is a horse. I get yeah. all that. Now, but, if he's saying it in other ways, well, then yeah, <laughs> you might have another baby on your hands, but that's no conversation. Amen. For another day. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Put the babies in bed after this part of it. <laughs> right. With women and children in bed, let's go looking for dinner. <laughs> you want me to be your Huckleberry? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll be Huckleberry, all right. <laughs> I'm just gonna put a horse mask on my body and and and, and, and walk backwards. <laughs> we ain't right. Y'all know that. Y'all know this. Listen. They don't call us the mistress of the airways for nothing. Y'all know we not right. So it, it, you know, so no, y'all shouldn't expect anything less. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So any final words on Russ before we move on? Nah, I mean, I, you know, as a as a as a someone who loves a sport. Um, and and can appreciate people that overcome odds. I just I just wanted to turn around for him and just have a good season. You know, just watch good football. I think he's mm-hmm. a better player than that. Uh, I've enjoyed him since NC State going to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. um, going to Seattle. I mean, good a good football player is a good football player. What you're doing outside. You know, that's that's your business. And like you said, you made a great point. If this man wants to spend time as a family man, that's what he's doing. He enjoys his family, what he does in the community. I commend that and I will never knock that. Uh, but it, I just want to see some good football. I think he's a better player than what he's showing on tape right now. Agreed. Um, and so I root for him, for him from that perspective. But right now, Denver just, they, they putting some trash on the field, right? They need to, <laughs> they need to change. They need to change some horseshoes because them horses ain't running right now. They not. They need to take them out back and shoot them. Get some new ones. <laughs> Can't get nothing at this manger thing. Nothing. They ain't got sea biscuits. They got some nags out there. I don't know what that. 
I don't know what they riding, but they ain't riding. Yeah. They ain't riding the right horses. Yeah, not at they, all. They ain't winning no all. Kentucky Derby. That's what nope. damn sure. Nope, nope. They, yeah, ain't win, <laughs> they ain't winning no kind of damn derbies. Them Nothing. Damn, them damn horses you see at the carnival that don't want to put put nobody on their back. <laughs> they start kicking the moment yeah. you grab the rein. <laughs> As soon as kids come to get on their back, they just lay down like it ain't. And I ain't rocking today. I ain't rocking today. Not today, boss. I got arthritis in my in my left shoulder. I ain't, I ain't riding nothing today. I ain't carrying nobody nowhere. Yep, yep. Carry your own damn self out of this park. Mm. I ain't gonna be on my back. And that don't mean not on my time. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you though. I root, I root for Russell. I hope he gets it right. Listen, get right and start winning some games in this AFC West so we can get up above the Chiefs. Knock the Chiefs yep. off one good time for me, and then, then we can talk about it. Yep. You know, as so long as you play bad against the Chargers, I'm good. Play play go. good against everybody else and just have a sticker against the Chargers, and I'm good. There it is. There <laughs> I'm it good. Is. All right, so let's move on to Thursday Night Football as we wrap up this segment. Um, we got a game tonight as this podcast airs at 10 a.m. on Thursdays now. We uh, have a game tonight. The Arizona Cardinals at a home against the New Orleans Saints. Now, mm-hmm. New Orleans Saints got a lot going on here, man. We don't know who's carding their quarterback week to week. Their nope. defense is banged up. You know, Kamara is in and out of lineup with his stuff. And now it's talking about he might be facing some charges and all this kind of nonsense. So the Saints got a lot, lot, to, lot to deal with. And, and and we know Arizona does. Yep. You know, he lost Hollywood Brown to injury. I think he's going to be out four to six weeks. Yep. Um, they did get Robbie Anderson. Now we had a laugh about the how leg Robbie, lock master. How Robbie Anderson <laughs> might have gotten to Arizona, but uh, you know it's unsta- unsubstantiated reports. But it's a rumor that he had an altercation with his uh, position coach on the sideline and in practice, oh. and it ultimately got him traded. So Legatron, Legatron, <laughs> and we don't be kicking. We don't be kicking. We don't be kicking. So. They got a, they got a new weapon, quote unquote, but I'm not sure how spry it is. He still might be a little bit, you know, his legs might still be. Might not uh, have his legs under him. There you go. <laughs> so, you know, but the brace spot for Kyler that you know the toddler running with the cell phone. I'm never not going to not see that every time he scrambles now from yeah. now on. Yes. <laughs> he get his main weapon back. DeAndre Hopkins is his first game from out of suspension, so he's going to be on the field. Um, yeah. So we're going to have D Hop, Robbie Anderson. They said he's going to play. Um, Zach Ertz, and uh, I'm not sure what's going on with their backfield. I don't know James Conner still hurt, Eno Benjamin. Um, so, you know, they tend to play okay at home. So right. how do you feel about this game, and what do you think this game uh, ends up being? Man, uh, I'm hoping, first and foremost, I'm hoping, I am hoping that it is better than what we've seen the last couple of weeks on Thursday night football. I am at the point when I am ready for them to not play another Thursday night game until Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right. It has been some hot trash that oh we've my God. seen uh, displayed on Thursday night football. Now going over to the game, you're right. Uh, they said Jameis Winston is coming back. I don't know how somebody with a broke back comes back and plays football this there was year. A, there was a joke in there. I'm glad you didn't run with it. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 I'm, 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 I'm wanting the FCC to let us be. Okay. Um, but uh, Andy Dalton, uh, you know, I think he's injured again. Uh, they, but they say Jameis is coming back. They, uh, they had another quarterback. They released him because mm-hmm. Jameis is coming up. They've tried every which way. I mean, Taysom Hill had one game. You know, he had, I think he had three touchdowns. Um, he had that big game. 
But the defense, uh, Chris Olave, I think, is back from concussion mm-hmm. protocol. You got mm-hmm. Kamara, uh, you know, dealing with his situation. It's almost week to week on if right. he's going to be available. Like you mentioned, the defense is, is um, you know, hurting, which lends to, and I think this game is going to prove, if men, if Arizona comes out, light out lights out, mm-hmm. It shows why there are two receivers in the NFL that will show you how important they are to a team. That's a good one. And that is DeAndre Hopkins Mm -hmm. and Devontae Adams. Mm. Devontae Adams leaving Green Bay. You've seen what Aaron Rodgers looks like without Mm. Devontae Adams. Speak on it. Kyler Murray is a different quarterback when he doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins compared to when he does. And if it stays true to form, DeAndre Hopkins will trans um um will revolutionize mm-hmm. Arizona. Because okay. if you look at Kyler Murray's stats when he has DeAndre Hopkins on the field, and even though DeAndre is one player technically mm-hmm. at the receiver position, Kyler Murray's a different quarterback with them and mm-hmm. with him, right? He just has this chemistry with DeAndre. That is just amazing. And DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins is that type of player. He is a go-getter. He's a top, whatever you want to say, He's you got to put him in the top five dead, of a lot, dead or alive wide receivers right now. Mm-hmm. I um, I'm going to lean towards Arizona. I think overall, um, the New Orleans is just hurting too much across the board um, as a team, right? And even without Connor, uh, and and a uh, hurt running back core, mm. Kyler Murray is dangerous with his legs, and he will, like I said, he will get DeAndre Hopkins. I'm wondering how Robbie Anderson um, will look. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's going to be a short week for him. He he got traded Monday. Who knows? Yeah, you know, how much gonna be he's, fresh? He's yeah, gonna be fresh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Limited with the playbook, obviously. Yeah, yeah, so they might have just restricted plays for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just think overall that Arizona is more healthy and they have a better situation at quarterback than New Orleans. So uh, it's going it, it, to, I think it's, it, it's going to be a decent game, but I think Arizona walks away with this one. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, a lot of questions. I mean, you know, of course I won't always look at the defensive side of the ball first and the Saints defense always impresses me what they, what they do, but they're banged up. Yeah. Um, you know, that um Marshawn Lattimore is in and out of lineup. He's 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 day to day, week to week. Um, you know, so if you aren't in tip top pristine shape and ready to go um physically, to have to go and get a fresh D hop is not something you want to do coming back, right? So that's gonna right. be a problematic situation for him, even if he does play. Right. So that lends to the advantage of Arizona, like you know, to to your point. Um, you know, again, of course, Kyler Murray is a completely different quarterback. Now, I think you know, and I, and I would say this: now, any anybody short of hell, I'm not even going to say that. I'm not even going to say Peyton Manning, but anybody outside of Tom Brady, you know, is 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 pretty much you know a completely different quarterback without the number one receiver. Right. You know, it takes it takes a minute to for them to adjust. I mean, Patrick Mahomes still putting up numbers, but he's not putting up the numbers he was putting up with Ty- Tyreek Hill. Yeah, you know, and we see what Aaron Rodgers looking like. It looking like a shell of himself. Oh man, you know, Justin Herbert struggling with no Keenan Allen. Right. You know, so you know them not like I said, him not having D Hop is 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 a, is a thing. Mm-hmm. You're not having that one guy that you can depend on to get open, regardless of the circumstance. That changes your the way you play football. 
Yes. You know, so I think that will lend to the idea and the confidence of the Cardinals that they should play well. Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, again, despite having a, a legit running game, now granted, the, the front seven of the Saints is pretty stout, so they don't give up a whole lot of yards through the ground anyway. Right. So if you want to take it to the air, you know, I think I think you have a distinct advantage against the secondary. You know, so many keep the pass rush at bay. You know, Cam Jordan and those boys are still hunting. So um, it could be a close game, you know, because I think Dennis Kelly will keep it uh, close. Dennis Allen, I'm sorry, Dennis Allen will keep it close, you know, try to keep the defense in it. But I just don't know what the Saints offense is going to give me. Right. I just don't know. Like, right. you know, with James finally coming back, and I really think they rushed him back off the ACL and mm-hmm. and him overcompensating. He's hurting other parts of his body now. Yep. You know, so who knows how stable he even is mm-hmm. right now when it comes down to his quarterback playing to be able to deliver the ball. And let's be real, a, a healthy James Winston isn't uh, uh, is in box office. No. So a banged up James Winston, I, I can't bet on that. Yeah. I can't bet on that. So I will go with the Cardinals as well. I think, you know, I wouldn't, you know, the spread is, is light. In his life for a reason, you know. I think it yeah. was one. We bet on it uh, Tuesday night. I think it was what one and a half or two. Yeah. You know, so I think that you know it it, it would lend to the Cardinals, you know, winning and covering because the spread won't be hot, won't be high. Right. But yeah, I think the Cardinals definitely, definitely win this game, and um, and we'll see. You know what what it what it, what it means for them down the stretch because I mean the division is wide open. Yeah. You know, nobody's taking it. I mean, the Rams are struggling. The Fort Niners are banged up. Seattle was actually praying pretty good. We talked about them earlier, you know, but, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't put any stock on them being a household name coming up as far as the playoff team is concerned or taking the right. division, you know, right. at this moment in time. I think they're still a little, a little ways away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So overall, man, I think that the Cardinals do take it and hopefully that's a springboard to them being better because all this scrutiny with Kyler and his film study crap and all that other stuff. Definitely, you know, they need to put some quality wins together for the, for that to die down. Right. The people still talking about it. Yeah. I, I heard, heard somebody talk about it today, mm-hmm. you know, sports radio. So, yeah, it's still a thing. So, you know, in order to make that go away, winning winning cures all, as we always say, right? That's winning truth. cures all. So, big truth. Yeah. So we'll see how things check out. So any final words, man, before we wrap this up? Man, it's been a pleasure. Uh, again, like, share, subscribe. Check this out. Uh, check this podcast out. Share it with your friends, right? Let your friends hear uh, another uh, sports show that is unique in its own lane. Uh, the misfits of the airwaves, you know, making you have some laughs, teaching you a little, uh, educating you on something you should learn and give you something you can live with. So come check us out. You know, I'm happy to be on this platform. Appreciate it greatly. Uh, and yeah, come 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 rock with us with a with the podcast for the barbershop so appreciate indeed. being here indeed i can't listen with that kind of wrap up i believe it right <laughs> at that so uh, uh we'll catch this coach 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 curry and i catch coach curry and i every tuesday night 9 yeah. p.m eastern standard time on youtube and twitch uh it is sports talk with coach curry each and every tuesday uh with him and i on the the airways, like I said, the misfitted airways. We're going to always deliver that 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 message, that church message, that <laughs> that uh, that football knowledge, and that that banter and that laughter, those movie yeah. references that you're always gonna always gonna laugh at. So yeah, yeah. Coach Craig, appreciate you coming through, man. And uh, we want to we're gonna ro- we're gonna roll over after a break to the fourth quarter closeout. This is the Lockdown Davis Podcast.
we are back with the fourth quarter closeout. It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense, man. Uh, episode 97 is in the books, man. I appreciate everybody that's been indulging us throughout this whole entire episode. I appreciate everybody listening to us for the entirety of this episode and watching uh, the videos of Coach Curtin and I as we broke down different segments in the podcast as well, man. Uh, the NBA preseason breakdown is done. Check that out in the beginning of the segment. That is a very uh, in-depth uh, breakdown of the Western Conference. We talked about that and how we think teams are going to finish on top to bottom in each division. That was a great breakdown. We talked about Emi Adoka and the Celtics and how exactly we feel like that situation is going to play out in Boston. Then we got into the idea of uh, NFL in the new segment called the Cover 4. We talked about a couple four, uh, our four uh, best matchups of the week. We broke those games down in, in its entirety and how we felt like the game went and how things turned out for the victors. Uh, then we got into a, another episode with uh, Coach Kurt and I talked about uh, Russell Wilson in his curious case of his woes and his, uh, and his struggles and uh, how he can bounce back from that. And then we broke down the Thursday night football game to talk about who's going to win between the Saints and the Cardinals. So check that all out. And uh, as always, man, you know, Tuesdays is Sports Hour with Coach and Kurt, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with YouTube and Twitch. We got the YOS podcast on Wednesdays at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel. Lockdown Divas podcast on Thursdays at uh, 10 a.m. on all your popular platforms. And Charter's Corner on Fridays at 11 a.m. on YouTube. So check all of that out. And we can, uh, and we bring this contact back for you, hot and heavy, and ready to roll, man. So getting all this uh, good sports news out to the masses, man. So we're here for it. So, as ceremoniously and uh, and religiously, we give out our awards for a breakout player that we can lock down the field of week four, uh, the podcast. So let's get into it. All right, so breakout players of the week. We're bringing this back finally. We didn't have uh, any coverage prior to us going to hiatus because no sports were live. So uh, we this is our first week doing it, and uh, and our inaugural uh, members of this week in the season uh, for the NFL is Matt Ryan. Uh, he went forty-two of fifty-eight and three hundred thirty-eight, three three hundred eighty-nine yards and three touchdowns in his victory for the Colts this week. Uh, they finally. I'm hoping that they finally have gotten off the off the couch and finally figured out how to run some offense in Indy. And uh, Matt Ryan got their uh, his team a nice, righteous victory on Sunday. Uh, Kenny Drake, the running back for the Ravens, he had 10 attempts with 119 yards and a touchdown uh, this past week in, 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 uh, in, I guess you can say, reserve role of J.K. Dobbins, who went out with knee tightness. So he uh he made uh he made a lot of a lot of his time. He made do he made good work of his time. So uh yeah, he had 10 carries for 119. That's definitely a a, a serviceable day. Uh yeah, so pick him up fantasy uh, cuz I think JK Dobbins is uh out again this week with a knee tightness. I think they're going to play it slow with his knee. They don't want to rush him back. So I think Kenyon Drake is going to be running the ball again this week. And then Stephon Diggs in the game of the week, 10 receptions for 148 yards and a touchdown. Carved up the Chiefs secondary uh, to the tune of 10 receptions, man. So, yeah, he definitely got it, got busy and got uh, things going early. Him and Gabe Davis were just trading off um, in that game. So, yeah, it was definitely a good look. Lockdown defenders of the week, man. Jordan Hicks, man. Eight solo tackles, three assists, 11 total tackles, a sack, a pass breakup, and two quarterback hits. Man was all over the field this week, man, and a win. So give Jordan Hooks a lot of credit, man, for being a journeyman but a baller. And I feel like everywhere he goes, he don't stay long, but he's productive. So Jordan Hicks, man, is is, is a guy that I, I appreciate as a journeyman linebacker, but he's always productive, man. And Harrison Smith, sneaky game. Sneaky game for Harrison. This guy had five solo tackles and assists, six total tackles, a forced fumble, a, a, INT, and two pass breakups. 
Talk about Ballhawk <laughs> for this week, man. Harrison Smith got it done in short order, man. So, to Matt Ryan, Kenyon Drake, Stefan Diggs, Jordan Hicks, and Harrison Smith, you get our awards for Breakout Player of the Week and Lockdown Defender of the Week. Now, I might be wrong in this, but I feel like selfishly because I am a Jason Tatum fan. He's part of my Young Guns staple when it comes down to uh, players that I appreciate that are not Lakers, right? I may be wrong in this, but but me going through talking to Coach Kurt, talking to myself, and breeding up on this Emil Doku situation, I really feel like the Boston Celtics organization, based upon what I know, this is only what I know. If I if it's more to this story, much like what Matt Barnes did, he come out and know the whole story and he did a retraction. But what I know today, and I'm only going off what I know today, and this is purely on that. And if it's more to it, and it's more allegations, there's more to the story, and it's very damaging and very ugly that uh, things he may did, then I'm wrong. But the way it stands now and what the masses know from the Celtics perspective and him coaching, I'm going to give Boston Celtics the big dummy of the week award because guess what? I don't see how a man's personal uh, sexual life, in all honesty, is is caused to be suspended for a year. I just don't. I don't, cause, and, and, and I'm going to say this, I say that to say this, is because this goes on, you know, the owners is, is is sleeping with their secretaries, you know, you know, I get, you know, players are sleeping with uh, trainers. It's it's things are going on, man. Let's let's keep it a, let's keep it a hundred. But things are going on. Whether you have a no franchisation policy or not, people have consensual sexual relationships with unfaithfully or faithfully. They have them right. So you can't single out one man who is doing big things for your franchise just because of that. So if it's just about that. Regardless of who he slept with and whose wife it was, that's his personal business. It has nothing to do with no bearings on him being able to run a, a basketball team. So, but right now, here and today, I'm giving the Boston Celtics front office the Big Dummy Week Award. You big dummy. So that's going to wrap it up, man. Like, comment, subscribe to the program as always, man. And we'll be back here next week. As always, giving you these hot takes and these news and views as only I know how. And yours truly coach defense, man. So until next week, we'll see you when I see you. Step up. And lock it down.